Hello all of you wonderful people out there. Welcome to an episode of Black and White Reviews. My name is Will. And I'm Lee. And today we're going to be talking about the 2019 film Doctor Sleep, directed by Mike Flanagan and based off of the 2013 novel by Stephen King of the same name, starring Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, yeah. We're going to talk about it in detail too, so again, just <laughs> spoiler alert, that's what we do here, so watch the movie, then listen. Join us if you want. Starring Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, and Kylie Curran. Um, <laughs> so... This movie. Um, so yeah. right off the bat, let me get something off my chest. I am a huge Kubrick fan. That being yes, said, you are. I, that being said, I did not go into this movie expecting anything. I did not go into this movie with the shining in my head. I tried mm-hmm. very hard to look at this objectively and just completely put everything Kubrick out of my mind. And for the right. first little while of this film, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, mm. it, it, one main reason why I decided to do it like that was because to compare anything to Kubrick is unfair. And I think even you would agree with that. Of course. Okay. Of course. So Al- although his movies are disturbing to me, they're very well done for what he's doing. His, when he, he, he does a, or, you know, a very good job of getting his vision in a really, uh, unique way. <laughs> You know, okay. which I can respect. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I can't think of a movie that he's done that wasn't disturbing in one way or another. That's kind of his thing. It's his niche. <laughs> so. I, okay. I, I'm. Hmm. A lot of his movies I agree with you with. But over the summer, when you and I weren't really recording anything, there was a couple of times where we did kind of get together and we watched a couple of movies over Skype or over the phone or something like that. And one of those movies that mm-hmm. we did watch was um, Dr. Strangelove. So, oh, um, you're right. I'm trying to figure out how that would be disturbing. I keep forgetting or, that he did. I keep or, forgetting he did Doctor yeah, Strange. Love it. Yeah, just seems so different just, than the rest. Which is just you know satirical comedy up and down. The movie is really funny, and yeah. I don't see how that could be disturbing. Nor do I see how 2001 could be disturbing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's disturbing because there's basically a robot taking everything over and trying to. Uh, kill him right wasn't that what's going on kind of kind of it's been a long time since i've seen that too but i mean yeah i mean there's a lot that goes on and that movie has a lot in it but that was the big thing was hal you know big red eye you know shutting him in and all that stuff yeah but that's what i what i got there was there was a level of disturbing you know i think i think one thing that's really interesting with the way that the kubrick does his films is like, for example, I always go back to Full Metal Jacket. So back in high school, I saw Full Metal Jacket. And I remember the, the, what I knew of Full Metal Jacket before was basically all just the stuff that Arlie Ermey said. And mm-hmm. it was like from sound, sound boards and stuff I found online. I'm like, this movie must be hilarious. That's what everybody remembers you know? is the first hour of that movie and nobody really pays right. attention so the to whole, the second half. The whole first, exactly. The whole first yeah. hour of that movie is, is so, it's, I mean... If if you're if you're okay with like vulgarity continuously, um, it's just straight up like comedy. It's almost it's almost comedy at that point because the stuff that comes out of his mouth, you're like, I can't believe that. And then the rest of it is like this totally serious thing. And I feel like with Kubrick, when when he makes movies, he he has a real, um, and and a lot of some of the things I've seen where it just kind of switches at one point, or it you have, it it has a a range of different feelings. 
And I think we kind of get that here, too, where the movie is on one track and then it switches tracks and you go, huh, okay. It's almost like that's what he does, just to, it, not so much like a, like a, what a twist type mm. thing, but yeah, it's more right. just like he just took a different direction at one point. And you go, oh, I wasn't expecting that. I'm not upset about it, but I just wasn't expecting that. And so, I think that's how I've always felt about his movies. So the big the thing about part. Kubrick is he was a he was a photographer before he was a filmmaker. And a right. lot of that early part of his career carried over to him being a filmmaker. That's why in almost every film that he's made and almost every frame for frame shot can be dissected mm. into something else. Like everything about his movies, oh, yeah. there's a deeper meaning. And especially when oh, you're yeah. talking about something like The Shining you're you're not only talking about a filmmaker, but you're talking about a film that has been just dissected, analyzed, and studies in some of the top art schools in the country, and it's been that way right. with him for, for decades. So mm-hmm. for this movie to come out and be somewhat of a direct sequel, I don't envy anybody who was involved with the production <laughs> of this film. This is a right. massive, massive undertaking. Um. I don't know exactly what Stephen uh, Stephen King's feelings were about this film. I know that he did not particularly care for The Shining. Him and Kubrick kind of had a, a falling out after that movie came out. He felt that he took way too many liberties in what the story was and all of that nonsense. And I understand mm-hmm. that. I understand where K- King was coming from on that. I And like I said, I really haven't looked anything up to see how he felt about this movie. But right. I went into this movie blind. I went in this movie. I completely wet my mind of everything. And immediately when I turn the movie on, the opening theme of The Shining starts playing to remind <laughs> me that I'm watching a Kubrick sequel. And right. I, I, I just it just sucked me right back into that. So it was really difficult for me to kind of separate that from myself. And I blame mm-hmm. that on the movie. The movie sets you up with something like that from the beginning with the way that it has that opening shot coming through the trees. It's very right. reminiscent of the overhead shot when, you know... Jack and family are driving their way up to the hotel and you're over that lake. It's very it's this in which in, which we get again later on. Exactly. And we'll we'll get to the and whole like, third oh. act of this movie's <laughs> Oh boy. We'll get to the whole third act of this movie. Um Right. But overall, I will say this. The first two acts of this movie were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was oh, yeah. a great idea. I thought that they took the whole concept of what it is to shine. I thought they were taking that in a different direction. I was getting a real like M. Night Shyamalan vibe with the way that he was building mm. like his superhero universe with Unbreakable, Split, and then later right. on Glass. Like, you, okay, mm-hmm. you're taking this really small concept and you're just expounding upon it and you're making a whole different world because of it. And I'm like, great, this is awesome. So I yeah. had no problem with that going into this movie. When we first meet the character Rose the Hat and, you know, she's there with the girl and you get to know her yeah, character and what and what she's and what she's all about and her her cult what they're all about i'm like ooh this is really interesting this is a different take mm-hmm. on the the supernatural element of what the shining was great right. i'm i'm fully on board when we meet danny and we find out you know he's an adult and he's grown i'm like okay i can swallow this yeah he and... prefers to be called dan now <laughs> sure <laughs> uncle dan <laughs> Fine. Uncle Dan. <laughs> or, or or Doc. Like, I was like, okay, you're, okay, I, I see what you're doing. And then the third act happens, and I'm going to be very honest, the movie completely fell apart for me. In, in the third act mm. of this movie, the way that the, fa- the fan service 
was just hitting you mm. over the head. It was a hammer all over the head, just drilling everything yeah. home. And everything, everything, like, and we'll get to it later, but they couldn't help themselves but to get that shot of Hugh McGregor poking his face through the broken door. And oh, I, I know. I, we I, saw that in the trailer, though. I didn't think it was going to be what it was. Mm. Like, I didn't think mm-hmm. it was going to be what it was. And especially there are a couple of parts in the third act where it's like, okay. And then you have the flashback scenes and you get that, you know, Shelly Duvall lookalike. And I'm like, you're not, you're not Shelly Duvall playing this, no, you know, reenacting that scene. I'm okay mm-hmm. with the lookalikes. I think they did a fantastic job with the lookalikes. Right, right. But to, to, to reenact a scene... <laughs> Like this iconic scene taking from this, I did not like that at all. The the, the third which, act. Which of scene movie, was the icon? Which which scene was the? Oh oh, just that scene you're talking about. The just end. Just that. The third her act. Okay. in the corner with the knife screaming. And right, if anybody right, right. knows, if anybody yeah. knows the background of of The Shining and 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 that movie and the way that Kubrick got that performance out of her, she was legit terrified because Kubrick and the way that his voice was and he was just very angry on set because he wasn't getting the performance out of her that he wanted. He scared the bejesus out of this woman. And Mm, that mm. performance in that movie was legit fear. It was borderline fear and acting, but more fear. It is Mm -hmm. insane when you actually go and you read about that man and what he did on set to get a lot of those performances. So that was, that was my take. Um, yeah. how did you feel about it? So I will be, I'll be pretty honest with how I felt. So I agree with what you said about the first two acts being great. Then the third act came around and as soon as I saw them going to the overlook, I'm like, I was very torn. I liked the fact that they were tying it in, but I don't like the fact that they used it as the grand finale. Like it could have been a piece of it. But the fact that they made that like I have to go here because this is where it all began and this is where it all is all gonna have to end. Mm-hmm. I, I I thought it was a little overkill, but I did enjoy the fan service of seeing him go through it again because think about it, he's facing his his biggest trauma in his life. He's going back to face that, and it's I mean it's very Stephen King for him to do this to do a story where it's like it starts when you're a kid and ends when you're an adult. I mean mm-hmm. it. And everything there like he's got this thing about kids (laughs) about torturing or tormenting kids that's just crazy um but it was good that he had that resolution because for me when I used to watch horror films when that was like my you know my go-to um I would always have to finish the movie because I love seeing how they overcame you know the torment how did they get through it like I couldn't start a horror film and then say I can't watch this anymore and walk away because I'd be left going but how how would they get away? How would they get it? Like, what would they do? Like, how would they overcome this obstacle, this situation, this trauma, you know? And I loved seeing the resolution because that's, I don't know, some people like movies like Arlington Road. You know, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert. In the end, the bad guy wins. The good guy is dead. And you go, and that was the first time I watched a movie that ended like that, and I was traumatized. I mean, I was young when it came out. That was... I don't even know, probably like 10, 11. And I, I was traumatized by it because I was like, I can't believe a movie was exists where good didn't prevail in the end. Maybe there's a sequel coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope there's a sequel. <laughs> there is no sequel. That's just it. And Tim Robbins forever is super creepy to me now, 
even though I think he's funny in a lot of other stuff and great in, you know, uh, other films, you know, considering Shawshank Redemption, uh, it's just uh, I can't see him any other way because it ruined it. But I think for for this, you know, I, I like seeing that full resolution. I but I definitely think they went way overboard with the, with the um, the fan service. Mm-hmm. But here's a movie that came out what forty years later? No, no, uh, yeah, forty years later, yeah. about give or take. Because yeah. what nineteen eighty? So yeah, <laughs> forty forty one years 40, later. Forty one years. This, yeah. Or well, actually, it came out in twenty nineteen. So yeah, just so, just yeah. under forty. Yeah. So they there was a whole point where they wanted to they wanted to give the fans what they wanted to see. Like, hey, let's let's reminisce here. I think doing it all in one big go was overkill. Okay. Peppering it in here and there, awesome. But doing an entire third act where they're basically redoing it to the point where he's like. He's a maniac now with an axe. I was like, okay, cool, but too much of a of a mouthful at once. You know, give us give it to us in small doses. Let us get there. Don't just shove it all down our throats in in one act. So I agree with you there. Um, one thing that really did disturb me about it, and I did have to shut the movie off, and I almost reached out to you and said I cannot watch this, and we can't discuss it, was the scene where they got the baseball boy. Yeah. And, and, and it was, I mean, obviously it was meant to be, um, a very like effective, like, oh my God, but I can't, I can't witness children, um, being treated like that. Maybe it's as a, as a father, maybe it's just as a Christian. Um, but it was something that disturbed me so much where like, I cannot watch this movie, but the rest of me got to that point where I'm like, I need to see justice being done to these people who did this. So I came back the next day and finished the movie. Um, I got through it, but it was just very disturbing because there are things like that that, that happen in this world. You know, not, not to the degree where people are sucking steam out of people, you know, um, but there are rituals. And it's like, ooh, you know, and that just freaked me out. So I was like, I have to step away from this. And, you know, I collected myself and then I reconsidered. So that was the biggest thing that got me in this movie. But the rest of it, I thought it was very well done um, in order, as you said, to to take elements of the original and use that to create a bigger universe, a bigger story, not just stuck in, you know, this one hotel where somebody's going mad. But right. taking the, the whole thing of it's not it's these people. It was the spirits. Right. So in the in the hotel, it was the, the ghosts of the people who were once there, you know, and. Here, we're seeing people who are basically living spirits like that, living ghosts. They have a body, and, but they're basically ghosts because they've been around for hundreds of years, sometimes thousands. I mean, what was his face there? Uh, Grandpa Fleck was around seeing, like, the, the fall of the Roman Empire. Yeah, you know? a long time. And that was a feeling like, like, wow, you know. Time. Yeah, I mean, so I thought that was pretty, you know, interesting that the way they did that. So it's basically, it's ghosts that are sustaining their bodies so they don't just become ghosts. That was pretty much the whole thing they were doing here, and it was a very interesting done. So, I mean, if we're looking at the story, if we're looking at the way it's directed, it's hard because are we, are we talking about, when we look at this, are we talking about how we feel about Stephen King's story, or are we talking about how we feel about the way this movie was directed? I, did, I didn't read the book, so I don't know how to compare the two. So I'm just saying it completely from my own observation of, of it just being one, one whole thing. You know, I think it's, it was very well put together to give you that until that third act. 
I enjoyed the things that were there. It was just too much at once. That's, I guess that's my statement. <laughs> no, very well said. Um, I chuckled a little bit. <laughs> I chuckled a little bit when you brought up Tim Robbins because everybody's go-to <laughs> when they think about Tim Robbins is um is Shawshank Redemption. Mine isn't. Oh, yeah. he's Andy mine is that. Mine is that camera scene in Nothing to Lose where he's just flipping off the CBC camera. <laughs> <laughs> I fun- love that movie so it's much. It's the funniest it, thing in the world. If anybody just- hasn't seen Nothing to Lose and wants a good comedy, um, Martin Lawrence and Tim Robbins were a perfect duo. I mean, just the the whole plot is basically Tim Robbins just loses it when you know he he discovers or thinks that his wife is cheating on him, and he just. <laughs> He just loses it, and Martin Lawrence tries to steal his car, and Tim Robbins is like, oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> and that pretty much takes the movie the rest of the way. And you've got, um, dude, um, you oh, my God, what's think, his name? You would not think y- that Tim Robbins and Martin Lawrence would be a good duo in a movie, but it worked. Uh, and, I mean, let's not forget who else was in there. You had um, John C. McGinley, um, who's Dr. Cox from Scrubs, and... Uh, uh, oh, geez, uh, Giancarlo Esposito? Is it? Yes. Yeah, as we know as Gus Fring or Moff Gideon. Yeah, Gustav. they were in there as as other criminals, and it was amazing. So it's it's just funny to go back and see them before they were known for their other stuff. But the movie itself is just, it's really good, and it was directed by um, Steve Odenkirk. It's right. Bob Odenkirk is better call Saul, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Steve Odenkirk, he's the one who did like uh, Kung Pao. Enter the fist, <laughs> and he also he also did Ace Ventura when nature calls, so he's the one I believe who did, oh maybe he didn't do it but I know he was in it he was the janitor the weird janitor, okay who was going around like cleaning stuff up, yeah, sorry, no you <laughs> I, I had to go on that on that tangent there but no so yeah it was directed by Steve Odenkirk, um he anyway okay well that was so I was lose. pretty impressed. Yeah. But anyways, so this movie begins in 1981, and we yep. first see Rose mm, the Hat. Was it 81 yes. or 80? 81. 81. 81, oh. they're in Florida. Rose the Hat is sitting there on a rock, and this little girl comes over, and she's very special because she knows what's inside the hat. And you get the creepy figures in the background. They're coming all around, and then it just cuts when, you know, they, they it's basically inferred that she is kidnapped, and she is now gone. And mm-hmm. that, that is your introduction to Rose the Hat. So immediately it's, this is the bad guy, which, f- fine. I have no problem with that. But then, again, and I'm going to harp on this the whole way through this, you get the carpet from the Overlook Hotel. And you get mm-hmm. the Danny Lloyd lookalike who's riding his big wheel. And mm-hmm. he stops and he looks at room 237. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with room 237? Yeah. You are. Right? Wasn't that the one from The Shining? Okay. Room 237 was a documentary that was put out some years ago by... I'm blanking on the guy's name who actually put the movie out. It's actually a documentary. And it's loaded with all of these voiceovers and different interview styles of the meaning behind The Shining. And it yeah, just... Yeah, I remember that. It just ends up diving into this conspiracy theory, you know, documentary about, you know, Native American burial grounds, you know, faking the Mm. moon landing and all types of other, you know, genocide and things like that. And it's for whatever reason, it resonates with a lot of different audiences. I've seen it. It's okay for what it is. If you want to check it out, go check it out. But it wasn't for me. And it was just really odd that 
Room 237 was referenced in this movie. I found that very, okay, that's okay, that's what we're doing. Um, so in The Shining, was it not Room 237 that he went into? So it was Room 237, but right. in The Shining, it's more, it's not, it's not a big deal. Right. You know, it's okay. just kind of, so it's just kind of yeah. something that's like in the background and it just happens to be that room. Right. Years it's not like later, it's 1428 Elm Street or something like that. We exactly. know, that you know, the address. Exactly. Gotcha. It just happened to be room 237. And, you know, mm-hmm. years later, these people are coming along. Maybe it was this. Maybe he was trying to tell us that. Maybe he was trying to tell us this. Kubrick was a genius because he was trying to tell us that he faked the moon landing and he shot the whole thing and <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's, yeah. That's uh-huh. what room 237 is. Um, it, okay, and it was just weird. Yeah, that, that was Rod, Rodley Asher or Rodney okay. Asher who did who oh. directed that. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, cool for him. Uh, wasn't for me, and <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I just wanted I just wanted to point that out because it was very obvious that that's what they were alluding to. Um, we cut to the scene where Danny's still a child, and he wakes up from a nightmare, and he's still very much traumatized by what happened to him in the hotel. And then we get, you know, the Shelley Duvall lookalike. And again, great job on the lookalikes for these two kids. You know, Danny Lloyd and the kid who's playing Danny in this movie, they, aside from the freckles on this kid in this movie, it's, you know, I I would buy it. Especially, you know, from the back when they have that shot of him riding on his big wheel. I thought it was really well done. I'm pretty surprised I didn't just cover up the freckles to make it look a little bit more like him. But okay, eh. so you, I'm, I'm really glad that I wasn't the only one who was thinking that because I'm like, wait a minute, the, the, Danny Lloyd did not have a whole lot of freckles in that movie, and I even went back <laughs> to to double check. I'm like, see, I knew it. So I'm, I'm really happy that <laughs> you feel the same <laughs> way about that that I do. Um, yeah. again, the Shelley Duvall lookalike, she was cool. Then we get a scene where Danny's sitting on a bench, and you know somebody who's supposed to be Scatman's Carruthers comes along. It's just a bald black guy. He wasn't bad. He wasn't bad. I mean, he, 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 wasn't got, he, got a, he did a decent job on the voice and kind he of did really, the he, way he spoke, his inflection. You're absolutely so right. He did that. a really good job on the voice. But And if you go yeah. back and you watch The Shining, it's the creepiest, it's one of the more creepy moments in that movie. Because mm. in Scatman Carruthers is talking to Danny and his mind is like, you want some ice cream? And it's like the way that the camera <laughs> angle is on Scatman Carruthers in that movie is oh, the yeah. most awkward looking thing. And it's it's supposed <laughs> to be creepy, but it's just like it's right. looking up his nostrils, you know, like flailing. And I'm like, this is this is OK. Mm. Wow. Yeah. But anyways, so they're on the bench and they're having this conversation about how, you know, the ghosts are always going to be coming after you, but I'm going to teach you how to make a box. And I want right. you to know this box. I want you to look at it and touch it and smell it. And I'm like, what is this guy trying to... And then you find out. And it was really clever the way that this was done. Um, Danny mm-hmm. and his mom, they're on the couch, and he just gets up, walks into the bathroom, and the creepy old lady, <laughs> the naked creepy old lady who is decaying, is just in there. smiling at him. Smiling at him, and he just shuts the door, and she screams in horror. Yeah, I thought this oh. was really cool. It was brilliantly done. So oh, I mean, wow. what, what's funny about it? First of all, I want to go uh, to that scene right there. I thought it was amazing the way that you've got this character Holler and Dick. It was Dick Holler, and right was his name, mm-hmm. the character yes. Scatman played. Yeah. Um, the way that he talks to Danny, you know, Danny's a little kid, but he doesn't talk to him like a little kid. You know, he's he's like 
because he knows he's like this is serious stuff i can't sit there and say you'll be all right you'll be right he's like no you got to do something about this and i'm going to show you how you know here's how we're how you're going to do it he doesn't baby him and I think that's great. Like, throughout this whole thing, he never babies him. I appreciated you know? that. I appreciated and that. I thought, I was... And I thought that's really, really cool. It, it, it adds a level of responsibility to this kid, and you see this kid just grow up right then and there. So when he goes in there, I love – he's watching Wiley Coyote, and we know that he loves Bugs Bunny. That's why they call him Doc, right? Mm-hmm. So um, – and again, I haven't seen The Shining in probably over 10 years, I'll be honest. It's been a long time. I just – I remember what I remember, and that's it. But I did see it – when I was very, very young, because I remember being a three-year-old kid walking around saying red rum, red rum, and remembering <laughs> certain shots from it. I remember just the end scene of that movie. I'm like, right, man, nothing against my parents. I love them, but what did they let me watch? <laughs> you know crazy. what? We've, we've actually talked about this before on this very podcast and other movies that we've done. We the 90s were a different time, and yes, they were. We grew up. We grew up very different from kids today. We watched whatever we wanted to. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, so. I, my parents found me one night watching all apparently I was up all night pumping in Friday the 13th movies I was like I was just old enough to know how to turn on a VCR which was pretty young for me yeah um so I was probably three four years old and they're like where's Lee and they found me sitting there just like glued to the TV I don't remember those movies I had to rewatch them a good 10 12 years ago and I was like oh I don't I don't remember these these are pretty disturbing <laughs> but okay anyway but he's watching Wiley Coyote right and it's 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 the it's one of the funnier ones where Wiley Wiley can speak and he's trying to cook Bugs Bunny. It's like, oh, what's cooking? He goes, why you are. I thought that was really great because we're getting the point here that I mean, kind of the driving at home. The whole point is that the shine is something that's like food to these ghosts. Yeah. Right. So specifically using this part of the whole Wiley Coyote thing is just you know just kind of further pushing. You know how funny it is. Like these these ghosts are wily. These ghosts will, f- um, or these spirits, whatever they are, will find a way to to go after this thing that they're desiring, and they're desiring the shine. So I thought that was a nice little touch there. But the scene there, where he goes in there, and she's just like, he brings it up later on too when he was talking about the um the other um guy. I forgot what he said the guy's name was. Um, then he was he, when he was talking to uh to holler in later on and he's just like oh yeah Horace Horace Duran he had confetti and his champagne big grin on his face until I pulled out the box that grin went away pretty quick yeah. and I, I love that I mean that's later on but that's exactly what happened here is like every time he goes up there these ghosts do not see that he's got a plan and they come up they're like ah, I got him now and he's just like slams the door and then horrified screamings and I'm like oh and, and right off the bat I'm like this movie is going to be awesome he's yes. basically his own it's like it's like a Stephen King Kubrick Ghostbuster, you know. Like, <laughs> it was just it was a really cool way to do it, and I was really happy to see some justice, you know, because the way the last movie ended is, I mean, I, I I'm gonna say it, the way that you see the the way that you see him frozen outside is very comical. <laughs> when you when you when you see Jack up there with his eyes like up and crossed and he's frozen, I'm like, is this a joke? Like. I thought it was like, I thought it was straight out of a comedy movie, just because of the face he was making. Yeah. Funny thing on that is, um, if, what you can do, and it's it's actually a really funny idea. I saw it done once, and I'm like, I got to do this everywhere I go. Print out a, a like a black and white photo of that, and and stick it on the back of your freezer. So when somebody's going through the freezer one day and they pull food out, all they see is his face frozen in the back. 
That's funny. <laughs> it's That's really, really funny. funny. <laughs> That's really funny. I mean, you'll either you'll either really freak somebody out or just make somebody you know fall on the floor laughing. I, I would laugh if I saw that. Anyway, and I'm really glad that you brought up that um that Holloran isn't babying Danny. And it, it, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Speaking from personal experience, I went through some things when I was young. And mm-hmm. when you go through things as a child, you grow up pretty quick. And Yes, you do. You know, all the other kids around you and everything, like what they think is cool and what they think is in it, what they want to do is not appealing to you at all once you've, you know, been through certain things at a very young age. And the last mm-hmm. thing that you want to happen is for somebody to baby you. For somebody to come, hey, right. how you doing? Are you okay? You want to watch a cartoon? Oh, like, oh, no, I don't want to watch a cartoon. Right. I want you to leave me alone. <laughs> like, I, right. I completely, right. I completely get it, one hundred percent. And it's, it was, it was great. And I absolutely agree with you. This was amazing. Um, thirty years later, though, time hasn't been very kind because Danny is a drunk and a drug addict and a thief. He's in a yeah. bar, he's fighting, he ends up going home with some woman, he rolls over, she has thrown up all over the bed, he flies out of bed, realizes that there's no money in his wallet, takes her money, and then Holleran is right there, uh, right. telling him to, you know, put the money back and be on your way. You could yeah. put the money back, Doc. You could at least <laughs> do that much. That just Honestly, so I didn't, I mean, whatever, I didn't realize that when he was, like, on his way out, um... You know, like, okay, she threw up. I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. I didn't realize she was dead. Neither did I. You know, I, I didn't think about it, but that is the common sign of somebody ODing. And, you know, that's how they die is they OD and then they, they choke on the vomit and that's it. Okay, so that happens. Okay, it's asphyxiation like that happens if you're laying on your back and you suffocate on your right. own vomit. When you're right, laying she was on, on her side. side like that, exactly. Yeah. When you're laying on your side like that, it tends to be a little bit different and... Mm-hmm. Chances are you're gonna be out of it, but chances are you're gonna be okay. You're not. That's not. That's right, not right. what's going to kill you. So I don't. I didn't know what to make of that. I don't know exactly how it was that she died. Okay. I'm still a little bit confused on that part. I mean, and we do this a lot too. So I apologize. I mean, <laughs> I get the feeling like you're only bringing that up because of Breaking Bad and the way that Jane's death was handled. About, you know, the way that she was choking. Okay, there you go. Then right, That's what right, I was right. trying to get at. But, um, yeah, yeah. neither did I. I. I had no idea that she was, that she was dead. But he, um, right. and it's not even clear whether or not he put the money back because he just kind of walks off frame. And you don't, and the well, next no, time. Well, the first thing he does is, he's, is he picks up the baby, you know, the, the toddler who can barely walk, gives him a bag of Cheez-Its and sits him <laughs> next to his well we we later know dead mother yes and he just and he just like shamefully leaves now this is a true redemption story in a sense with with him you know with what happens to him and how he goes through things mm-hmm. but then i'm um, then the other part of me thinks um he didn't do anything about that he never reported it to anybody he never went back later on and admitted it especially if, i mean we don't know maybe he did because we find out later on, I mean, as he goes through all these things, that he eventually goes to AA, you know? Yes. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, part of your steps, I guess, as you're going through would be to um, reconcile the things from your past. And maybe he did do it. It just didn't make it a point. But when he, he has, at one point, he has a dream, right, of seeing them 
Is it a there. dream or is it just his ability? Well, you know, yeah, it's a dream. Him. It's a dream within his ability. Yeah, okay. and that's that's what freaked me out because then you get the baby turn around and everything too, and you're like, oh, yeah. That's just again, it hits me hard because it's kids, you know. Um, but it's just like I, I, I feel like there's there's a there was always an unspoken rule in movies is that you don't do stuff like that to kids in movies. And I, I, maybe that's changed over the years. I don't know. Um, but I, I kind of always thought that that was the case, you know, it was like, hey, it's a kid. They'll be fine. You know, kids, kids get away, you know, and in, in any like thriller or movie like that, they get away or they don't show it, you know, it just kind of ends up being a thing and it's gone. Right. So teenagers is different, but kids, you know, not whatever. Not really. I mean, you can go back to the, you know, the 60s and 70s and the 80s, and you can look mm-hmm. at every Disney animated movie, and the first thing that happens in those movies is there is a child, and the first thing that happens to this child is either their 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 guardian, their parent, their father, their mother yeah. is ripped away from them in a very violent way. That is Right, that's a traumatic experience. Every, that is that not is, a death. That is not the child's death. It's still... It's it's still something that's happening to a kid. But the thing I remember right. is and the reason why it doesn't affect me, the reason this is the big reason why it doesn't affect me and I don't have the same boundaries that you do. It's a movie. This is not yeah, real. Yeah, I know. It's 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 made up, it's written, it's fake and all of these people in reality in real okay. life are perfectly fine. It's just a right. story. Well, let, let's let's look at it this way. If you um, witnessed something, if you watched a movie and it was about a lifestyle that you disagreed with and would probably make you sick if you thought about it in real life, wouldn't you not want to watch it? I would still watch it. You would still watch it. So, um, of course, because I, mean, I have to, I'd rather, to get... I would rather have an understanding. Would you, look, would, of... you, would you turn away? Would you turn away and say, oh, I didn't need to see that? Probably not. Okay, well, that's... I guess we're different there. So, like, I find myself sometimes fast-forwarding through certain parts of movies because it's just, you know, I don't need to see it. I understand what they're alluding to, but it doesn't need to be seen. And, and as, a, as somebody who's, who's made, like, short films and stuff like that and, and has done some video work, I think some of the most powerful things you can do is leave certain things to the imagination and not have to be so graphic. You can tell a great story by, um, by cutaways and, you know, just, like, doing making it a way so people can assume something happened without actually ever having to show it. And that, and it, and it makes a good story that way. And it keeps, it keeps a broader audience. So I think in some, I think in some aspects you're right. I think it just depends on what story that you're trying, what story you're trying to tell. Danny in this movie, he does have a redemption story, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't feel it the way that you do by the end of this thing. If you weren't, you know, subjected to some really of the graphic disturbed. scenes that were in this movie. It right, wouldn't it right, wouldn't exactly. it wouldn't hit the same notes. Right. If they okay, so we'll get to it later, but the scene that you're talking about is later on Danny is in a bed and he wakes up from a vision and the woman that he was with earlier and her child are both in the bed with him and she's going on and on about how they haven't found them yet and the reason why they haven't found them is she was just a bad mother. She left her child alone a lot and their neighbors were just used to her, um, this child crying all the time. So they just mm-hmm. don't do anything. They haven't found them, and that's that. That says a lot about Danny. Now the thing about this is, without this scene, and you just said it, Danny's redemption story wouldn't 
be as powerful as it was. If they just cut away from that, if they didn't show that, if that was never a part of this movie, it would it, 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 his impact on especially Abra would be a lot less. It would be it, it would be stifled, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> no, no, I agree. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. so we get something really cool. Um, for whatever reason, Danny is is drawn to a small town in New Hampshire. At the same time, yeah. there is a birthday going on in New Hampshire, and this little girl's name is Abra, and Abra is <laughs> five mm-hmm. years old. Abra is five years old, and she's watching this really cheesy knockoff magician. You know, he's pulling the things out of the hat, and he's doing, you know, tricks with the spoons and everything. And I can do that. And her parents walk into the kitchen, and the spoons are all over the floor. And they look up, and there are easily a hundred spoons just dangling all, from the ceiling. Who, who needs that many spoons? That's exactly what I thought when I saw this. Who needs like, that many spoons? Why does this family have so many spoons? <laughs> And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, I, I understand they're having a party, but you get plasticware for that. Why did they have so many spoons? That is so, have, that is so frivolous. I have no idea. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. Maybe they have a lot they of They should donate parties. those to the homeless shelter, the soup kitchen. <laughs> they need spoons. Maybe they, have, maybe they just have a lot of get-togethers, a lot of social events, and they want to be fancy. You know, we're not going to use yeah. plastic on our mm-hmm. our family and friends. We're going to break with the good silverware, but they're all Well, I think, all I think we're forgetting one. We're think we're forgetting one very key element here. There is no spoon. I had that written. <laughs> Did I you really? Actually, <laughs> I actually had that written. There is no spoon. I was just about to go there. I'm glad you beat me to it. I uh, that's mm-hmm. wow. That's weird. So and Danny is drawn to New Hampshire. So now the two of these people are in very close proximity, and it's just mm-hmm. it's furthering the plot of what The Shine really is. And at this point in the movie, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's that's what this movie is going to be. And I was really right. hopeful that it was going to stay that way. So right. at this point in the movie, I'm having a good time. Um, I did skip over one thing. So <laughs> Rose the Hat and one of her cronies, they're in a movie theater and they're watching some girl. And some girl first is of there all, with a... First, first of all, wasn't, wasn't this, this crony of hers, Crow Daddy, wasn't he in the Backstreet Boys? <laughs> I'm sorry, he, he looked an awful lot like what's his name? Kevin from the Backstreet Boys. And I'm he kept saying like, like he looks like one of them from him? either the Backstreet Boys in sync ninety eight degrees. He looks like he would fit in perfectly with those <laughs> late nineties, early two thousands boy band groups. Yeah, he he look he looks like the older guy in Backstreet Boys. I think his name was Kevin. <laughs> the one who had that exact mustache and goatee style. Like I saw him, I'm just like, Wait, is he is he back in show business? <laughs> I looked it up and I'm like, Oh, clearly not. It's just he happens to have the same exact uh, hair color and beard shape. That is it. So there's yeah. nothing else that's similar, I guess. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. So these two are sitting there and they're in the movie theater and they're watching this girl completely Professor X, this creepy pedo, in a theater mm. and she steals his money, which was the, the goal for her. She steals his money and then mm-hmm. she does something that I think is awesome, that I think should happen mm-hmm. to all pedos. She cuts his face. And every mm. time you look in the mirror and you see this, you're going to say, I like a little girl. And it's so creepy. Yeah, you're going to remember. You're never going to You're going to remember this, mm-hmm. which I applauded. That was awesome. Mm. That was absolutely it's, it's very, It's very much like a low-key Dexter. 
which know. I didn't have a problem with. Not in this movie. Yeah, I did I not have a problem with that at all. But then, you know, she mm. goes outside and, you know, creepy crony dude, he's following her. You want to leave me alone. And he stops dead in his tracks. Just stops. Stops dead yeah. in his tracks and just draw, drops to the ground. And then, you know, Rose the Hat comes along and grabs her and she's not letting go. So She's like, you want to let me go. And it's... then her response is, oh, no, honey. No, I don't. <laughs> and, I, and it was like, ooh, like you see that she's she's got some power here. And it made me laugh because immediately we cut to Obi-Wan Kenobi under the bridge. Okay. Right after the Jedi mind trick is happening. And that's that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, why did I write Obi-Wan? Oh, yeah, because clearly she's pulling Jedi mind tricks on people. <laughs> and then we've got drunken Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah, do you think that was not? You think that was not done on purpose? I mean, I absolutely on. think it with was the done beard, on purpose. with the I beard and everything. I think it was done on purpose. <laughs> I think I think you McGregor was purposefully casted in this movie. Mm-hmm. That there was no. We need somebody who can play with brain stuff. Yeah, you mm-hmm. McGregor. Mm-hmm. It was like oh. <laughs> it was so yeah. obvious. He was so yeah. obviously typecasted for this role. I, I honestly think he was very well cast. Um, I do too. Altogether. I don't have a problem with it. Um, I don't, I'm just saying. At first, like, I was like, "Oh, that's going to be interesting to see that." But I mean, even thinking about like, not that he looked like Nicholson, you know, but he looked like he really could have been his son, you know, the way that they did it. The even the hairline kind of matched up with what you would think somebody who didn't have quite the same receding hairline would look like. Mm-hmm. It was like I, I thought it was. You know, when they got to that scene at the end where they were basically turning him into him, it was like, huh, you know, that was a really good casting choice, and I'm really glad they did it. It was a great casting choice. I'm not, I'm yeah. not saying, I'm not saying that it wasn't a great casting choice. I'm just saying it was very obviously done on purpose. Like, right. right. I'm, I don't know how. I, I'm like you. I'm not the biggest book reader, so I don't know how well this story lines up with Doctor Sleep. But I have to believe that the script for this movie was written in such a way that it would have been perfect for Ewan McGregor. That's that's what I mean. Like before before this movie probably even went into production, the idea of Ewan McGregor playing this role had to be in their minds it, when they were writing the screenplay for this thing because it's so perfect. Right. Right. Um. Yeah, and we get then we cut to eight years. Well, we don't cut to eight years later. Before that, no. we're at the end of Abra's birthday party, and mm-hmm. Hugh McGregor looks on his little blackboard, and it says "hello," but the O mm-hmm. is with this weird, creepy, smiley face. Here's yeah. here is a problem that I'm going to bring up with the first couple of acts. This "hello" okay. shows up a couple of times. It goes nowhere. This 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 hello with the smiley face on the end, just the and um at the birthday party, she she mm-hmm. paints it on like a piece of paper in red, and the smiley face just looks like a big bloody face, and I'm like, this mm-hmm. is weird. This is going to go somewhere. It goes nowhere. It shows up one more time on this blackboard, and that's it, and it's dropped. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that was just that was just the um signifying their first communication. She wrote it. She drew it. There and it showed up on his blackboard. I'm just, it's just weird. That's all they were doing. It's just really weird that you have this thing that I'm like, ooh, that's, that's cool. Where's this going? Oh, nowhere. Well, you're saying with it red and looking like it was almost bloody because of the way it was done with the red, um, that was just signifying that this relationship was going to cause bloodshed. Huh. So that makes sense. Eh. Oh. I mean, 
fine. No, it's it's a very it's a very well actually. I mean, I know I you're know. saying you don't like it, but I think it's a very well foreshadowing um, uh, tool that they used. So I'm I think not, it, I oh, think it was great. I, I, I didn't I, even pick I, that up until you said it. I agree that I agree that it can be foreshadowing a bloodshed. I don't necessarily agree that it signifies that their relationship is going to cause bloodshed because it doesn't. Their well, relationship that was the act- beginning of their relationship. Well, their relationship actually goes towards you know him finding peace and you know his redemption mm-hmm. story and her ultimately you know her life is being rescued. That's not bloodshed. There is well, bloodshed. It, there but is it's bloodshed. Not... <sighs> Fine. You know what? Yeah. Fine. I'm just you... I'm just saying like things are going to drastically change. Like this You're, was you... signifying that okay. there will be blood. All right. I didn't know? look at it that and way. And that was their. I. Yeah, I'm glad I you brought was... it up. I was, I was being a little bit more specific. I actually thought that the hello and the face and everything was going to come back around later on in the movie, and that specifically didn't. It could have. It could have. It definitely could have, but I don't think it needed to. Okay. But they they could have they could have played with it. I agree. They could have. It wouldn't have been overkill if they did it again somewhere else. You know. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But, um, we have another time jump. We fast forward eight years, and Danny is an AA. Well, I'm sorry. No, mm-hmm. I, let me back up before that even happens. I'm way ahead of myself. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah, I apologize. we, we kind of jumped when we talked about the blackboard, but basically, right. I mean, a few You're things right. that were skipped was we find out about this girl Andy, the one the, the snake bite. We find out that she's what they call a pusher because she can basically uh, convince people to do things. Yes, you yeah. know, she's got that power of suggestion. Um, so we've got that, and the whole thing is like she's Rose is offering her to stay young. You realize that there's, there's just a bunch of gypsies. You know, and they they do something in order to stay young. Yes. What they are? That's, they're gypsies. There's no other okay. way around it. Like I thought about, it, I'm like, oh, this is a group of gypsies. They're they're basically hippies, and they're living in vans and buses, and you know, that's that's what they're doing. They just see. Go I didn't wherever even they wanna, want, and they. I didn't even want to go gypsy because they're way too old to be gypsies. I mean, they're talking about things that happened 40, 50 years before this time, and I'm like, well, that mm-hmm. that, that 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 predates you to be any kind of gypsy or a hippie. I'm like, so what exactly are you? That's why at the beginning know. of this thing I said cult, because this reminds me of a cult, like well, what yeah, they're doing, like their just... their their band and whatever it is that they believe in and the things that they're going around doing. This is very cult like mentality. You know, I can't mm-hmm. imagine I can't imagine a bunch of hippies running around sacrificing. I can imagine a bunch of hippies running around, you know, stinking up the place and smelling like pot, but I can't imagine them, you know, going around killing. That's, well, it's about so their lifestyle. Their their lifestyle is they're living as gypsies. Okay, fine. As transients, you know, that's what they're doing. They're they're going around and, and whatever, but it just makes me laugh. It's like, give me your steam, gypsies. <laughs> like That's what they're doing the whole time is they're basically, they're going around trying to, to get steam so they can live on, you know, longer. And it's funny, that that was the thing that came up there. It's like, I, you know, the whole, I thought we could live forever. No. <laughs> I never no, said yeah, that. Exactly. I said no. you, you want to have a longer life. Okay, live long, um, but eat that's well. a, that's a real that's... key part. There's we're starting to understand. You know, eat well, yes. live well is eat what they're well, kind of live... getting at. Yes, exactly. Which and yeah. yeah, I even like the idea that they put you know this whole spin on you know what the magic in this world is as steam. I even like that. That's a really interesting way to you know to spin things in this world. So even now, I'm I'm fully on board. I'm super excited, but I did get ahead of well, myself. I, what I like about the universe is they don't – is they're not, like, giving you a specific term and then everybody knows it. They all call it whatever they call it, and I think that's really cool. So just – I think of it like when we first watched The Mandalorian, for example. We weren't 
I was barely on social media at the time when the, f- the show first came out. Um, I, I took it off my phone and I wasn't going online. I wasn't reading up about the show. I was just watching it, you know, and that mm-hmm. was it. I didn't look anything up about it. And I just kept calling, you know, Grogu Baby Yoda. And we kept calling it Baby Yoda because what else are we going to call it? And it's funny because you found out that the entire world started doing the exact same thing. Once I got back on social media, I'm like, oh, everybody knows it as Baby Yoda. I'm like, are we ever going to get a name? Like, is there an official name? And, and Favreau's like, I'm not telling anybody yet. <laughs> like, I'm not right. going to spoil anything yet. Um, to the point where when it did finally come out, we were all kind of like, oh, that's what you came up with? We've been waiting two seasons to find out that's his name? Oh, okay, well, all right. <laughs> but yeah. the, the fact that, like, we all kind of just came up with it collectively, I like that they did that here because um, at one point Danny does connect with Abra, and he's like, she said, what did she say she called it? I forgot what she said. And he says, magic. I always called it the shine. Yeah. She says, you're magic. He's like, oh, I, I always call it the shine. And then she, but, and she right. picks up on it and she even starts calling it the shine. Exactly. Immediately just connects yeah. with it. So yeah. I like that it's just like, it's like they call their thing steam. You know, they call it steam. They call what the, the essence steam and they call it shine. But it's not like it's some set in stone, like this is what it's been called for generations to generations. It's just what Dick Holleran used to call it. Mm-hmm. And it just Dan just started calling it that. And now Abra's calling it that. So I like that it's just nobody has a set answer for where it came from, how it came from, who, you know, whatever. There's no big history about it. It's just, this is what I've got, and this is what I'm working with. Right. I love that. It's, it's like really, really first, cool. It's kind of like the first few seasons of Walking Dead, how everybody called the zombies everything except for zombies. Right, like You have people exactly. who call them walkers. You have people who call them stalkers. You have people who call them, you know, something else. Biters. Like ev- yeah. Biters. Walkers, everything, stalkers, biters. Everything yeah. except zombie. And there was these different, you know, sects of people that were just calling them something different. And it was, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. It's really cool the way that, um, the way that little things like that pop up. But anyways, so <laughs> Danny wakes up from his nightmare from, you know, seeing this woman and her child. And he immediately goes downstairs to his buddy knocks on his door, come on in, we'll talk about it, and next thing you know, Danny is in an AA meeting, which at this point is probably the best place in the world for him. Um, then we get this really weird scene where he's talking to this guy, and he starts talking about his watch. You left your watch here, you weren't paying attention because you were worried about some kid, I just wanted to let you know. The next scene we get is the two of them are sitting in an office, this is an ex- almost an exact replica of the office that Jack in The Shining set in during his interview to be the caretaker of the hotel. Down to right. the flag, down right. to the placement of the flag on this guy's desk. Right. It is almost identical. And I should have seen it coming, but I didn't. I put it out of my mind and <laughs> didn't think about it again. But this is the point where I should have seen everything coming. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so they go through the job interview, and then you see Jack, well, Jack, now I'm doing it. You see Danny, and he's mopping up, and there's this cat, and the cat well, let's, wanted- let's go back. Let's go back to the really cool uh, situation, how it all kind of came up there, because um, we're not even there with the cat yet. I think, um, I mean, just to kind of go further with it, I mean, we have these characters, and um, I just want to touch upon the gypsies there for a second, because okay. basically they're all, they're all gathering around at this point to- to get the steam, you know, from Violet. They're like, oh, she smells like flowers here. And you get the giant from Men in Black, you know, who shows up as Grandpa Fleck. Remember him? He was the one who had the alien inside of him. He mm-hmm. was one of the aliens in the beginning. And it's just like, that's all I think of. I've seen him in a couple other things, but that guy is huge. 
So he's there and everything, and they go ahead and uh, Andy, the the pusher girl there, the the um, snake bite girl, she um, goes ahead, breathes it in. She's violently shaking, and then they all get shiny eyes. Okay, we got shiny <laughs> eyes now. Cool. Yeah, pretty much. You know, and I think that's that's a big thing. You know, just to not follow up, uh, forget about there. But this guy Billy that he ends up, that Dan ends up befriending, finds him the apartment, and that's when he goes up there and he has that dream that you're getting to about mm-hmm. the uh the the dead the dead girl and the dead toddler um and he's like okay we need to get this figured out they go to, they go there and there's the whole thing with the doctor's uh wrist you know and the lo- the lost watch you think it didn't go anywhere oh, not the what doc- do you mean yeah what do you mean do i think it didn't I, I go thought, anywhere well there's the whole thing about the wrist there so we're talking to uh um what was it i, I can't this guy's been in like everything um that that um the actor there um, mm-hmm. I keep forgetting like everything else he's been in, but he just he's always pretty good. He was um what was he Pike in the Star Trek movie? Um and a few different things. But yeah, he played he plays some good characters. Um but anyway, he Yeah, he's talking about the watch. Oh yeah, you know, you left it over here by the soap dispenser. Okay. And then he starts talking about the uh Gaucher's disease, was it? Something I I brought all this up that he was worried about some kidney. Just yeah. he forgot about his watch in the in in the bathroom or something like that. Right, but it was it was really just like he freaked out. Like, oh, like how did you know that? What's going on? I didn't. You know? I, okay, so I didn't bring it up because the this this guy <laughs> who later on interviews Danny for the position in 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 the hospice care didn't bring it up either. He just kind of took mm-hmm. it with merit, and they 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 kind of moved on. You know, and later right. on, it's kind of just That's explained away. It was a like, big oh, deal. I don't think it was a big deal. I don't Did he think just this, knew exactly what was going on. And they just accepted I, it. I exactly. I don't think it was yeah, a big deal okay. because the movie didn't think it was a very big deal. Like, okay, so yeah. we get into it where they're sitting across from each other, and, and they're at, again, they're in the exact same room. They right. kind of get into it here, but it's very quickly dropped when Danny just goes, "Oh, I just, I just know things. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to." And this guy just yeah. kind of, you know, he just brushes it off his shoulders, like, "Uh, okay, whatever." Well, I love the, I love the line in here too, though, where he says, "Like, do dying people bother you?" And he goes, "Well, we're all dying. The world yeah. is one big hospice with fresh air." Yes. You know? And it's, you know, that's the way he's looking at. It. It's like, well, the reality is, why would I be afraid of, of? death because it is an it's an inevitability that death mm-hmm. will come eventually so we're just dying just at different rates like okay cool <laughs> at different times and, and then you know we kind of move on from there yeah sorry i just wanted to step in for there for a second i thought it was a really cool um, no that's fine that's fine outlook. absolutely if you think him, something especially cool. especially because he's of where he's gone and and the things that have happened with him because this is this is eight years later already no no we're not eight years no, later no, yet. No, this is when he first gets the job yet. So we're he's just starting yet. it off. He's just but he's still job. he's still he still learned how to basically take care of the ghosts. So he has a different outlook on how on what life looks like for him. But he's been using the alcohol to drown out his his trauma still. You know, mm-hmm. even though he's been taking care of these things, they still haunt him. So, yeah. Well, he makes a speech about that later when we get to the eight years later part. But um, right, before right. we get there, before we get there, so Danny is there and he's mopping up, and this cat, um, this cat walks into a room and jumps up on the bed, mm-hmm. and there's a man there, and he's very obviously dying. And this mm-hmm. is a direct reference to an actual cat in real life that was named Oscar that right. would do this in some hospital somewhere that 
was I read an article about it years ago, and I guess this cat yeah. was just really shy, didn't really come out for people, and then only started coming out when it was somebody's time to move on to you know the next part of whatever their life was going to be after you know this world, and. Right. After the first couple of times, they brushed it off. But then when it turned into 20 or 30 times, it's this this cat was just, you know, recognizing when these people were ready to go, they started paying a lot of attention. And the cat, you know, just got ridiculously famous. So I like that that was in this movie because it's it's just a it's a real world supernatural thing that they incorporated into film. And I always love right when movies do little things like that, like a little nod to something really weird that's actually happening. And this is right. something really weird that actually happens. And I really appreciate it. Yeah, this it. happened it was, in Rhode Island, I think it was. Right? It was in Rhode Island? Okay. I think okay. I think it was Rhode Island. Okay. I wasn't exactly sure on where it happened. I just remember the cat's name was Oscar. That's <laughs> yep. that's all I really yep. remember. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyways, Danny, you know, he walks into the room and there's this guy sitting there and he's dying and he's afraid and Danny speaks to him, you know, through telepathy or his mind or whatever it is that you want to call it and then all of a sudden it's I see my wife and I want to stay on this for a second because this is also something that is very true of people who are getting ready to go um Mm. three or four years ago now um my grandfather was getting ready to pass on and Mm -hmm. you know the day before he went on he was you know calling out names of people that have been dead for 30 years so right. I do believe that this is something that actually happens. They, I believe mm. that people do start seeing things. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is. I don't know what it looks like, but it is something that actually happens. And I thought that was really, I thought that was a really neat touch too. It was very subtle. It was done very, very well. It wasn't, you know, insulting or right. <clears throat> disturbing in any way it was just yeah and it handled he calls it, him doc when he walks in too which i thought was cool like he walks in he's like and he's like yeah doc, how do you know he's, and then he's like oh wait i'm in a hospice and he goes no, i'm not a doctor and he goes yeah you are your doctor's sleep yeah well you know and it's like oh <laughs> yeah yeah does he say that does he say oh you're doctor sleep yeah okay that's where i thought that's what i thought he said but i was like no he didn't actually say that but he did wow mm-hmm. neat yeah, you get the yeah, whole thing about it, I see my wife. Um, and then he just, they, they speak to each other through, you know, the mind's eye thing. And, oh, Doc, you're exactly where you need to be. And he takes right, his last right. breath and you see whatever steam the he steam. has yep. just escape from his body. And I thought it was done very well. It was a beautiful scene. It was very well oh, yeah. done. Definitely. So yeah, then that's, back- that's when the hello, that's when the hello situation came yes, out. Yes, that's when know, the hello on, situation on the comes up. It's written on the wall, and Danny just writes back hi, and you find out that it is Abra on the other end of this. Well, at so, first I was like, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? No, it's not Tony. Just a giggling spoon girl. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Anyways, um, we get to eight years later. Eight years later. I'm sorry. Eight years later, mm. Danny is still sober. I like his lines when he's giving mm. his, you know, speech. It, right. not, it's not so much, you know, he goes into it about how he, you know, drank to feel closer to his father and he drank to dull the aura. He didn't, he right. didn't mess up those words. He actually says to dull the aura. And mm. this is why I kind of dismissed everything that happened earlier with the watch. I, you know, I'm, I guess I'm just accepting that there are special people in this world and everybody else around them really aren't 
questioning a whole lot of what's going on with them. You especially see it with Abra and her parents. Like, they know that there are people in the world that exist like this, and they just take it for what it is, and they move on. They don't bother asking a whole lot of questions. So, before, when you asked me, you didn't think it was odd that he just kind of knew about the watch. Well, the movie's not making these, you know, supernatural individuals odd. They're not making a big deal out of everything. It just kind of is what it is. Yeah. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like, I and I think that's really right. cool. Like, like if this was any other movie, it would be like, oh my god, this person can do this, that, and everything else. Oh my god. And they, you would have a whole bunch of people freaking out and towns of people go, ah! Like, you would get all that. Here, it's just like, okay, you're different. You see things. You talk to people. Cool. Whatever. We're gonna move on. Do you want a job? And that, that was it. Mm-hmm. So, that was really cool. Um... We get another really great scene of, you know, Danny back in the hospital and he starts singing Come Fly Away to this guy. And it's just he's handling his his job here very, very well. He's mm-hmm. made to do things like this. And I thought that oh, was yeah. really cool. Yeah, it was great because he found he found a place that is like it's perfect for his his yes. giftings. Yes. You know, and for what he's gone through, it's just it, it fit very well in perfect form. And I was like, oh, good. I like where they're going with this. You know, but I knew that wasn't going to be the end all as like he's going to be hanging out in the hospice the whole time, you know, but that's it was a really great, um, a great experience for him to work through things and to be there for those who could really use what he had. Because before we don't even know what his life was like, you know, we just we just knew he was an alcoholic. You mm-hmm. know, we didn't know what he was doing for work. We didn't know, you know, what his relationships were with anybody else, you know. And it was just, you know, it was great to see that he had that, that reason for, for going there, the purpose, the, the, his mission, if you will, you know? So it was nice to see that. And then you, then you get to the full on mission here and it was, mm. yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Before that happens though, I do want (laughs) to, I do want to point something out. So (laughs) we get to Abra and she's being Mm -hmm. woken up for school and they, the the camera focuses on this little statue that's on her nightstand. Mm-hmm. Is it just me? And it might be, but is it just me? The hair, the outfit, the way that she's running. This reminded me of Storm from X Men. Oh, I didn't notice. It, it kind of a little bit, a little bit. Mm-hmm. The outfit. I'm like, okay. It, and it's dark skin. I'm like, is this Halle Berry? And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm losing it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop. Um, we then cut to uh, our gypsy friends. They're having some problems. They're running out of steam. So, mm-hmm. and the whole thing around them now is we're getting deeper into everything. Individuals who are being born, they're not as steamy as they once were in the past. So it's arising mm-hmm. problems that they're always kind of hungry and they're really worried that they're about to die out. And our old, yeah. our old, you know, our old man from Men in Black, he ain't, he ain't doing so well. And, you know, there's, there's some worry going on. Um, yeah. And then we get to the scene that you don't like. We won't spend too much time on it. We get to the baseball kid scene. Yeah. Okay. So they get, they, they basically, so they kidnap a boy. They, they, they get him into the van, you know, classic kidnap a kid he's like i'm all set i'm all set but he clearly has intuition because he was out there um playing baseball and they could tell like okay this kid's got something here and they could just tell it on him yeah but the thing is they get the ball every time yeah there are okay here's 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 the issue i have with the way that they pick this kid out there Mm -hmm. are a lot of just 
naturally gifted athletes in the world. Just because somebody whacks a baseball doesn't mean that <laughs> doesn't mean that they're supernatural. I'm sorry. No, I don't. I, no, that, that's that's the whole thing about this part that I don't buy. What he's but good, at, but didn't he's good? Didn't at Halloran baseball? say that they could they could smell it? He said that you they know, could they smell could, like, it, and then it. there were some there were some other things in the movie about well, you know, people just know certain things sometimes. Like, like a husband will come home with some roses just because he feels like it, and then when he gets home, he finds out that his wife had a bad day or something like that. Like they right, just right, right. they're just very intuitive when it comes to things like that, and that's fine. There are people mm-hmm. like that in the world, but just because a kid is good at baseball, that automatically makes him supernatural. I don't. Yeah. I thought that was a stretch. I did think that was yeah. a little bit of a stretch, and. But they they get to him, they grab him, they do what they do. He's dead. But the whole yeah, time, they get into the they get into the whole thing about pain purifying steam. So if it was just like they got the kid and you know they took him out, that'd be one thing. But they were torturing this child in order to get the steam, and that's what freaked me out. And I had and she, as it goes on, basically it wakes up Abra, right? Mm-hmm. I just. I don't, I don't want to dwell on it too long, but it wakes up Abra and she freaks out and screams, stop, monster. And it was like, it was impactful because it's, it scared um, Rose. It, it, it scared Rose the hat. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> it shook something in her. She stops, she stops eating, sucking up the steam, and she just kind of looks around and she's like, oh my God, what is that? And Abra's there and it's, mm. it's an episode. And then is we cut to Danny and Danny, even Danny gets woken out of his bed because of what's going Mm -hmm. on. So he's feeling a lot of what's going on too. Now I'm not entirely sure what, what was the point here? Was Abra trying to reach out to Danny or Mm -hmm. did Danny just naturally feel what was going on with baseball kid? No, she reached out to Danny because they had some type of little, you know, relationship. Hmm. So she so that's where oh man, you get the red rum on the wall. And the way that it burst on the wall was just like, whoa, you know, like that was that was nuts. You get red rum on the wall and then he's just like, "Who?" and she just says baseball boy. Again, I should have saw it coming. <laughs> mhm. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> anyways, yeah, you get the red rum on the wall and who and baseball kid and that whole thing and Abra's at school and she does some digging for a missing person's ad and she finds the kid and while she before mm. she even starts doing it she starts looking around the room really weirdly and you find out that she's just she's just a conduit like she can hear everything that's going on in everybody's head around her and mm. you know it's probably the reason why she's wearing headphones all the time like that when at least when she was in school and you get mm-hmm. to this one girl and she's like the weird girl's cr- staring at me why is she staring at me and she just whips right back to her screen which <laughs> it was hysterical it was hysterical yeah. the way that that whole thing played out cuz i'm like yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> you might not want to be staring around the room like that little girl but anyways right. she um she prints out the missing persons report of this kid and she feels the paper and she gets a jolt and then she goes, all right, I'm just going to go with this. And then she is white-eyed, white-eyed and just in a flurry. And she's just whips back in her bed and she's like full on dream warrior now. And I thought this was awesome. I thought this entire sequence was amazing. She's white-eyed. Mm. She finds Rose the hat. They have this interaction in a grocery store. Rose right. walks over to one of the, you know, one of the, 
the freezers where there's kind of, you know, the display cases where there's kind of a reflection. And she sees Abra and the white eyes and she reaches behind her own head, but she's touching Abra's head. And I thought that was really cool. And then you get the whole get out of my head. And it completely blows Rose off of her feet and just pushes her back even more. This was awesome. Like this girl, Abra, um, Kylie, her in this movie, I have nothing but well wishes for her in her future. Like, her acting mm-hmm. career is going to be phenomenal. This child is something special. She is, a, she played this role brilliantly. This was the point in the movie where I was like, this little girl is going to be a big deal in the future. Like, oh, no, there's a scene I, later on that, that did that for me. I mean, yeah, oh, this was like a good, a good uh, starting point to kind of get you there and, and, you know, start to buying, okay, okay, things are getting cool with this girl, but there are two, there are two scenes that really pushed it for me and i was like Whoa, no i this I, is amazing. I, I i completely agree with you there are other scenes that come later on that push it but this was the first like big jump this was mm-hmm. this was the big jump in the movie for me where i was like this kid is phenomenal she yep. is absolutely phenomenal and i'm not saying anything against kids but there are a lot of really bad kid actors out there or teenage <laughs> actors out there that are just horrible and and they need to stop or they need to go and and do like method or play stuff and get a little bit more experience before they get put on camera. <laughs> no, this right, right. kid was made for movies. This was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I wish nothing but yeah. the best with her and the rest of her career. This was awesome. Mm-hmm. This was absolutely yeah. the, uh, the whole get out of my head thing. And even, oh, yeah. even when the house starts shaking, you cut that downstairs, was so cool. you cut downstairs to dad and he's not moving. <laughs> this guy's yep. not asking any questions at all. He's just like, well, that happened. And he goes back to whatever work <laughs> he was he was doing. I thought that was really funny. It just, it was visually, visually done so well. I liked the way that they were doing like the flips and stuff like that of the house and, mm-hmm. and everything. It was really cool. Cause I mean, you can get that with Danny, um, at 1.2 where he's, you know, goes down. It's like, oh man, it's like they did some really cool visual effects like that. That really kind of got you into their heads, yes. Um, of what was going on, but one thing I thought was really cool about that was, um, at the same time all this is happening, Dan is at at the AA meeting and he just dropped and began like asking for Tony to help. Tony, help me! Like he just yeah. like reverted, you know. Yeah. And then There's you get a- the question from from the the rest of the of the um. Well, there we find out they're called the Knot. You know, that's what they this little cult is called. This group of people. And mm-hmm. the question is like, is she food or do we turn her? And she's like, I don't want anybody with this much power in the knot. Yeah. Like she's petrified. She is petrified. She goes, we're going to take her out. As she you should know? be. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was just, oh, <laughs> it was, it, it, it's always, I think the, the justice in this movie was done so well. Okay. You know, the fear so, so that was I. put into Rose the Hat, like every time was just, was just like, ooh, you know, like she's realizing all these years of what she's done is all coming back to her like 20-fold, you know? Yeah, it's coming back to haunt her in a big, big way. Exactly. And again, I I love justice. I love seeing justice, you know, and if you have a movie that doesn't have any type of justice in it, I'm just like, oh, man, I don't like this movie. You know, I love seeing the tables turn on the people who are, are evil, who are doing harm, you know, because that, I mean, that is... I mean, yeah, that's what makes a, a story good is to see how good can prevail over evil. Some no, of the best right. things that we 
some of the best things that we discuss, the best things that we watch, um, they have some really great scenes where you see, I mean, let's just see where finally, where Luke says, no, I'm a Jedi like my father before me, you know, and he's just like, even though the Emperor's like, oh, you're going to turn, you're going to turn. He goes, no, I'm not. And he stands up and then, you know, the whole so be it Jedi and he suffers for it. But in the end, he was right. And, you know, Vader cut more Anakin comes back. I know I'm, everybody knows the story, but that's the point is some of the best stories are about those scenes where somebody's going through it. And then finally, you know, there's that justice is like, no, you're done. You're done. You're not doing this anymore. We're, we're done with this. And it's just, ah, it's so cool. But the way that they do it here and the way that it affects this, um, well, the way that it affects Rose was really cool. So Rebecca Ferguson, I haven't seen her in anything else. She's the one who plays Rose. And she did mm. a great job too. You she know? did. She really did. Everybody, everybody so, in this movie did a really good job. Right. Everybody. Oh, I in guess this film she. Did I guess really she was in a job. couple of Mission Impossible movies. Interesting. I'm not okay. I'm not into the Mission Impossible thing. I'm not into mm. Tom Cruise at all. I do not like him. <laughs> I'm. I'm not gonna hide that at all. There are certain actors I just don't like. Tom Cruise is at the top of that list along with Will Ferrell. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I can't do either one of them. Sorry. I. I can't. I can't. I can't. Okay. He's so, uh, Tom Cruise is one of those guys that's just like, he is so him in everything <laughs> that he does. Do you know what I mean? Like, everything yep. that he's in, it's like, that's Tom Cruise. There's no... You know what? There's no... Don't I, even bring up Tropic Thunder. Do not I'm do not it. Bringing up, <laughs> I'm not bringing up... I was going to say Minority Report itself was a really cool movie. It's a good concept. But he's still... Mm-hmm. He's still... Yeah. This is Tom Cruise. This is... This is yeah. a sci-fi Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, that's what that's well, what. Minority then there was Report that other one, was. the uh, the Edge of Tomorrow, which I, I mean, if, I I suggest you check it out. It's actually really really interesting, and <laughs> I, I guess I can't talk too much about it without killing it for you. But they almost when they were making the movie, I guess the pe- the creators or the um production studio was trying to convince them to take out the main element of the movie and just have it be a war movie, <laughs> and I'm like. But that would defeat the entire movie. Was, I mean, what made the movie good was the one element. And they were, going, they were considering, why don't we just remove that whole element? So I, I, I definitely recommend you check it out. Um, I know, you don't, I know you're not a big fan of Tom Cruise, but look at it for, just for a movie. It's really, really, um, it, it's creative. I like what they did with it. It's, it's cool. You'll, you might get into it. Yeah. Maybe. That's a big maybe for yeah. me. Yeah, you still Anyways. have to finish Alien. Yeah. <laughs> Abra is on her way to school, but she's not going to school. She has work to do. She runs off after she gets on the bus. She goes, she finds Danny, and they have a quick Mm -hmm. conversation on a bench. And Danny very wisely brings up that it doesn't look really good that a, you know, middle-aged man is sitting down on a bench (laughs) with a teenage girl, which, I mean, great insight there. I'm glad that they brought Mm -hmm. that up. I'm glad that it wasn't ignored because that's exactly what I was thinking, like, when she walks up to him and they kind of, you know, mind speak and she says hi mm-hmm. and then they sit down. I'm like, you sitting down on a park bench doesn't look really good, dude. And then, you know, they right. comment on it like I thought it and then they said it and I was very happy because it exactly. doesn't it doesn't look good. Um, oh, but it's it's fine because now he's Uncle Danny. So right. they get into the right. whole conversation about, oh, you call it magic. Well, I, I, I call mean, it as, as you saw, as you saw in that Bill Burr special that I saw you watched. Um, he was talking about that. It's just like, yeah, it's like people nowadays are afraid to even like smile at a kid. Oh, so you am know? I. So am you, I. You did watch that, right? Because I saw that yes. was on the Plex that you watched yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I watched yes. the first 10 minutes of it and I was laughing my butt off. But it was, um, 
Get that yeah. kid away from me. At this point, <laughs> be, being being a man now in this day and age, it's like, I, I love kids. I've got two little girls, and I can't, like, if I see a little girl, I go, I start thinking, I'm like, oh, that, that reminds me of my daughter, you know? But I can't look at that little girl, because if I look at that little girl longer than a quick glance as I'm walking through somewhere, people are going to think I'm a creep. Exactly. And I'm like, no, I'm just I'm just thinking about my daughter. <laughs> I don't. Go I remember near when kids. she was that size. Yeah. I don't. I don't it's, no, it's, I don't. I don't go near kids. I don't do it. I I work around the public, and mm-hmm. there are certain times where I get to you know sit down and you know, have you know a few minutes to myself, and I'll get in my phone or whatever. If a family walks around me, or you know kids walk around me, and there is nobody, I'm leaving. I'm not th- right. thinking. I'm not taking a second to think about it. I'm getting up and I'm walking away. I do so, not. So it's, no, thank you. <laughs> the world has pushed us to be childophobic. Mm. Thanks. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're afraid of kids. I'm We're not afraid I'm to not, get caught hold, in the middle. Hold of on, it. hold on. I'm not afraid of kids. I'm afraid of what other people will think seeing me sit, sitting next to a kid. I know. That's a very real thing, and that's been a and, real and, thing for for decades. That's not new. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, just, it's not as bad as it once was. Because before, I'm out. Eh, whatever. I'm out. Sorry. Yeah, it, no, I'm, it just I'm, it just it used to be it used to be a lot more okay. Like I'm thinking about um, you know, my grandparents, you know, they had all their friends who hung out at the beach, you know, like that was their thing. They went down to the beach and I knew all the old ladies, all the old guys, and you know, I was the kid. I'm like, "Hey, how's it going?" and you know, they're like, "Oh, you want you want, you know, a slice of pie?" Sure, I'll have a slice of pie. I mean, we're all hanging out there at the beach. And it wasn't creepy, you know, and there'd be times that I'd visit my grandparents and I'd go to the beach by myself and I'd see them there and they'd be like, oh, you want a Snickers bar? I'm like, sure, I'll have a Snickers bar, like whatever. And it was fine. It was normal. Nowadays, I'm afraid, like I said, I'm afraid to even glance in the direction of a child because I don't want people to think I'm a creep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's never mind saying, oh, are you hungry? I, I got an extra, you know, hamburger here, you know, like <laughs> I can't do that. I can't imagine I can't imagine offering a kid I don't know any kind of food. Right. I can't even imagine it's that. It's out of like, the question now. It's, it's n- out you of the can't question. even think about it. You can't even think about it. When I used to work in customer service and, you know, a kid would come up to me and ask me, hey, can I have a piece of candy? Can I have a piece of meat? Can you, can you give me a slice of cheese or whatever like that? I would have to like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing it without, you know, seeing an adult first, which you shouldn't mm-hmm. do anyways. But like even now it's like, I don't even want you near me. Without your right. parent, where is right. your parent? Whose child is this? Oh, it's yours. Okay, we're 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 all good. Other than Are we that, good? I'm can like, they have no. some cheese? I'll talk to you. I'm not talking to them. <laughs> exactly. I won't even look at I'm them. Not, I'm not talking to you. I'll you got your to hand your up. You're like blocking I, I, them from your view. You? Like I just see you. <laughs> I'm not. I'm I'm non-threatening. Please don't you know freak out. But no. But you're right. That's that's where we are now, and it's it's unfortunate. But at the same time. At the same time, it is kind of necessary because there are yep. a lot of creeps out there who would do something. Yeah. So I can. But the funny, understand. but the funny thing is, the funny thing is about today though is the amount of technology we have. Uh, children have cell phones, and if they don't have cell phones, they have things they can have on them that has a GPS detector, so parents mm-hmm. can keep an eye on their kids. Like yes. we have, we have gone so like the way that we raise children. It's it's so much more overprotective than it's ever been. I mean, we've talked about this before too, but we remember the days where it's like you go out and play at night, and you knew that when the streetlights came on, oh, it's time to go home and eat dinner. You know, like that's yes. it. That's that's yep. the life. That's what we had. You know, I would yeah. go off, and my parents would encourage me to go out. I yeah. remember when I lived, when I lived not too far from you, and I was still down in Saugus. Um, I I went door to door, at one point, knocking on the door, saying hi. 
Do you have any kids? I'm looking for someone to play with. I swear I did that. It was weird, but I but that's my parents were fine with that. Yeah. Go 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 to the neighbor's house and see if there's any kids over there. Yeah, you could do that back in the nineties. You can't do that yeah. today. You Not can't at do all. that today. No. You can't do that today. I mean Sure, I got some kids. Come on crazy. in. That's exactly what would yeah. <laughs> Right? <laughs> That's exactly what would happen. Sure, I got some kids. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on hey inside. Hey there, muscly arms. Exactly. Got some good news for me? Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so not, to, Abra- not to make fun of it. It's it's twisted, but anyway. Well, I think it's, see, that's the thing. I think when, you know, we're talking about these kind of things, I think it's healthy to laugh about it because of how it's real. And instead of dwelling on it and being all upset and making you all depressed, just, you know, laugh it off. That way it doesn't, it's not as serious as it really is. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be that grim. Right. And I, and as I, I agree with you, I like that they addressed it here in this movie because they could have just gone on with it just like every other movie does. You know, like uh, Kevin hanging out with the pigeon lady. Or, you know, Kevin hanging out with the old man across the street. All these things from Home Alone, you know, but like still, all of these that was, things. Where you, that was back in the 90s when it was acceptable was to do things like that, especially I know, but in the thing is, small rural towns like that. It was it was OK. Like you didn't have to worry about right. things like that. If Kevin but that's was not in the way that you things know, are now. Hmm. And that's and that, that's the whole point is that things aren't like that anymore. People are afraid to even talk to their neighbors. People put fences up. I'm not afraid to talk oh, to my neighbors. Some people don't. They just say that's their life. We have our life. We don't want to get involved. People are like that nowadays. I don't even know who lives next to us. I have no idea who. Well, I mean, not directly next to us. We have a condex, so we have somebody who's directly next to us sharing the property. But the people next to them, I don't know them. And technically, my my property touches their property. Hmm. Never spoken to them before. I know all my neighbors. Yeah, good. Huh. I mean, oh. you you do live on like a, a dead end street, which is nice because that's a little bit more open. Mine is a street you don't go walking up. There's no sidewalk. <laughs> you, you step out there, you get hit by a car. <laughs> but anyway. Anyways, so like I, I was digress. Saying, as as I was saying, um, Abra finds Danny, and they're having their discussion, and they talk about baseball kid, and Abra wants the glove. She thinks that if she can get a hold of this glove, because one of one of the uh, one of the not touched it. She'll be able to find them. She'll be able to use her abilities, and she'll be able to find out where they are, and they can actually do something. So Abra is all about righteousness. She's all about doing something good, and she wants she wants justice for baseball boy, which I'm all about. I'm fully on her side, and I'm like, wow, this little girl is she's active, and she's <laughs> she wants revenge. So kudos to her. Well, she she felt his pain. Yeah. She felt you know, it. She, she, she felt, felt it, it a lot right. more than, than, you know, and Dan Dan didn't. He felt what she was trying to give him, but besides that, it was like she felt everything, and she's like, I want justice for this. This has to yeah. happen because she felt it, and she's still alive, and she's just motivated to go do it, and that's yep. awesome. Um, and what was, while, we're, while there, I was just around this time, I was thinking about just the sound effects that they were using, you know, the music and the sound effects. Do you like the fact that they kept it all from The Shining? No. You don't like it at all because it was. No. You think it was just try, trying to force you know yes. you to feel like it was in the We're same. We're gonna get and, into that. Okay. We will get into all that when we hit the third act because that's right. that's. I I understand why you enjoyed the third act because it was a redemption thing and because there was justice served to the villain of this movie. I understand that mm. and to a point I agree with you. But as a <laughs> as a huge Kubrick fan, it was way too fan servicey. 
and the right. music, the music in this movie, the sound effects in this movie, the way that just the way that certain things were just plopped into place, it was so forced. It was so obviously forced. When the story of this movie, and we can get into a little bit now, the story of this movie, even up until this point, is its own thing. It's not right. it's not the shining. It doesn't no. feel like it would be a direct sequel of the shining. It feels like it would be <clears throat> sorry about this, but it feels like it would be a spin-off of something else entirely. And that's mm-hmm. what I like about this movie. So when you bring right. up things like, well, the music is here and the sound effects are here, no, I don't like that. I really wish they would have found a different way to go about it. I understand why they didn't, and that's what upsets me so much. So on that same thing, I think I enjoyed the sound effects and the music being the same, but the third act was too much. Like, it's one or the other, maybe. You know, like, <laughs> but even so, even so, it was still too much to, to chew at the end of the movie with it all being thrown at you. So I feel like if they kept on the, the you know, the same momentum and sticking in the same place as the, the first and second act throughout the whole thing, you know, and, then, and they didn't go too fan servicey, I think the music would have been fine. Hey, just to remind you, this is still part of it, but they're going in a different direction. I mean, there's lots of movies where, um, I know you're not a fan of these, but it, it, they're comedies. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Big, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Two totally different movies. They feel totally different. The characters are, the characters have actually changed a little bit, but you know you understand they're the same people, and mm-hmm. like it's just it's very it's very different. Written by the same people, directed it was, it was all the same stuff. However, it had a very different feel. It almost didn't seem like a sequel. It seemed like a spinoff, which is 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 interesting when you can do that when you can make a sequel. Not just follow the same formula as the original, you know, but not go too far where it's like, okay, what does this even have to do with that? You know, um, so I think I'm gonna they, go back. They definitely I'm gonna go back to an a, example. I'm gonna go back to an example that I made earlier. Mm-hmm. No one knew. No one knew that Split was a part of the Unbreakable Universe until the end. <laughs> There right, were right. N- it was not alluded to once throughout the duration of that movie. Right. That is the correct way to do something like this. To right. be your own thing until the moment where you have to bring everything home. But the, the difference effects, here is this, mu- this was a book. Stephen King wrote the book in 2013. So we knew that Doctor Sleep was going to be a direct sequel. We knew that. There was no way to really like trick us you know, into it. I understand that. But what I'm saying is it's still part of the same universe. It's still part of the same well, story, yeah. but it's different. You have different elements. You have different, you have different ways of telling the story. You're not telling the same story here in this movie. You're not telling the story right. about some guy going nuts in a hotel. You're not, the directorial style of this movie is nowhere near, you know, what Kubrick did with that film. The subtleties aren't there. And that was the whole thing about Kubrick. Kubrick was all about Mm -hmm. subtlety. He was all about the most, the most minute detail, meaning everything when you want to dig into it a little bit. And it just explodes a whole new avenue for you to analyze. That is not what this is. Because as a DP, as a, as a DP for a movie, I mean, having a photographer as the director of photography for a movie, like, well, duh, that makes sense because he's used to capturing a lot in one still image. So imagine what he could capture if he had moving images. And that's, that's what made his directing style 
I mean, his photography style, his you know actual videography style, amazing. So don't. But the, is that he the, was able to capture so much? The in whole what thing. He had. The whole thing about this is when you're bringing in scenes that were in the office. When you're bringing in when I'm sorry. When you're bringing in scenes that were in the office where Danny is having the interview. That is an exact mirror of you know Jack having the interview in the movie when he's you know gonna take over the Overlook Hotel. When you have things like that. When you have red rum. When you have. You know, just things like that that are following. And when you have the themes and the music and the orchestral performances, and then you have things like you brought up um, the sound effects. Stop reminding me. You're doing a great... (laughs) No, listen, you're doing a great job telling me a story that is different and I am invested. You are going a completely opposite direction and I am applauding you for that. But you are continuously reminding me that, A, this is a sequel... B, you are not Stanley Kubrick. That's what this movie mm-hmm. ultimately does. Now, you are a movie viewer. If you were a director... I wouldn't touch this. I mean... I wouldn't touch this. Right. If I was a movie director, wouldn't I wouldn't it. touch this with a 10-foot pole. Because right. I know... And that's, that's because challenging. I know, I, know. I, I know that if I did, these are the exact things that, you know, fans and critics would say about me. Exactly. So I'll I'll share do another your own something. Thing. So That's my I whole was thing. do your own thing. And yes. you're and you're for the most part, this movie is doing its own thing. I'm all about being in the past I was all about being the assistant director, but I never wanted to be the director. You know why? Because <laughs> if, if it came out bad, we could blame the director. <laughs> yeah. If but it, it, com- if it comes out point. bad and, 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 if it comes out yeah, bad, too like, nobody's like us are gonna get on the internet and talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then you've got somebody like, uh, you know, Filoni and Favreau, who took Star Wars and redeemed it after this trilogy that's recently come out. And you're like, whoa, OK, like I would have been very intimidated and said after what just happened, and all the backlash from the, this trilogy, this, you know, sequel trilogy, I wouldn't want to go anywhere near that franchise. But he was so like a day were so fired up saying we need to do something. Somebody needs to do something, and I'm going to do it. You know, they, they pulled an Abra, you know? Somebody needs to do something about this. I know that I'm just the whatever, Mandalorian, but the Mandalorian I'm going to do it. is its own thing. Right. The Mandalorian but they is redeem, not they Star Wars. They redeemed the franchise. The, Mandal- the Mandalorian is not Star Wars. I'm sorry. It is its own separate thing contained within the Star Wars universe, but it is not Star Wars. Correct. There is no it's, it's not, there is no fighting the empire there is no over the top jedi there is no magic there is a right. there is there is a bounty hunter and a child mm-hmm. that is that is about it and and it's it's about but, him and his adventures and meeting different people that is far mm-hmm. removed from everything star wars this is skating the line between being far removed and being fan service <laughs> Right, and that's where that's where the issue is. There, there needed to be a better balance. You either go full fan service, or you do it. You do it subtly. You know, and that's. I I knew we were going to be torn about this movie because, I mean, just the the stuff I went through just watching it. I'm like, ah, okay. And then never mind. Just the fact that I'm like, okay, either Will's going to love it or he's going to hate it. And I'm just like, he's probably going to hate it. I'm in between. Because we don't talk hate about it. fan service. I don't hate it. I'm well, no, the, the fan service. I hate the fan service. The rest of this movie, That's I loved. I, I thought this was. I thought mm-hmm. this was great. I'm. I'm sitting here talking about it, and I'm, uh, so far, aside from what <laughs> you know, 
aside from being hammered over the head that this person is in Stanley Kubrick, I've thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I've th- I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I was super invested into the story. Anyways, um, let's move on. So, Abra yeah. wants the glove. Danny wants absolutely mm-hmm. no part of this, and she ad- and Danny advises Abra, forget about all this, hide your shine, don't go near these people again, don't try to get in their heads, mm-hmm. go somewhere, hide, put your head down, and maybe you won't end up dead. And he Great, gives so now he's them. not Obi-Wan anymore, he's Luke Skywalker. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> you cut yourself off from the force, haven't you? <laughs> he, he's cutting he's completely cutting himself off because he's still he's still dealing with a lot of it himself and he's terrified and can't really blame him. I can't I can't really blame him after what he's been through in his life and you know the dark place that he's been able to pull himself out of over the past 8 years. I wouldn't want to mm-hmm. go back into those closets either. I would be very sympathetic. Right. I would give the best advice that I could give. But the last thing I would want to do would be to get involved until, right. you know, a few minutes later when this cat again goes into an empty room. And here we go. Uh, your knockoff Scatman Carruthers is, you know, standing in there and he's all you owe a debt. So pay it. That's basically the gist of that conversation. So Danny agrees. He um, he's going to help. And. Here we go. So we're all about this whole dream warrior thing now. Mm-hmm. Rose Astro <laughs> projects her way across the country to find Abra. And now Rose is in her bedroom. And I like the idea of the mind being a filing cabinet. And oh, I love dude, her so line. I love yeah. her line about, oh, you should see mine. It's a cathedral. I thought that yes. was amazing. It really hammered home like how old she really was. Like, wow, your mind. Right. And then, and then later on, we'll get to it later on when we actually get to see it. Like the array of like file cabinets and filing systems and like little you know drawers and everything with like papers in it. Like that's in her mind. It was amazing. This entire right. visual, this whole scene, I thought was great. I oh, loved dude. it. It was awesome. It was amazing, and I think the best part about it is the consistency in uh, Stephen King's theories on how the mind works. Because when I saw the cathedral there, I was I instantly went to Dreamcatcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that was Stephen King too, right? Yes. Had to be. Okay. I'm like, of course it was. Like nobody else thinks like that. I love that scene in Dreamcatcher where he's basically trying to save his files, so you know, and put lock him in the room so the thing can't get to him, Mister Gray. It was so well done, and it was, like, you really have to think about that movie. Like, the, normally an alien movie, for example, or whatever this thing is, does not go to that level of, like, psyche, you know? It doesn't get to that part of your brain and start, like, playing with things like that. So I thought Dreamcatcher was fantastic in the way they touched it. It definitely could have been directed better. Maybe I, if I read the book, I would have enjoyed it more. Um, mm-hmm. But honestly, like, that... that the theory of how your brain works is like filing cabinets and drawers and books and all that stuff. It's like, that's so cool. And it again, is. to carry it over into this, it makes you go, ah, is this the same universe? Did What's-His-Face have a shine too? Remember the one who was able to find the keys and stuff like that? Like they all kind of had that thing going on? This it's could all be it's, tied it's, in. It's possible. It's possible that there are, you because know. Because I think as we talked about it before, the Dark Tower, you know, did you see the dark tower? You didn't see it, right? No. Okay, so it was. Ugh, it could have been so much better if they just, if they just didn't do something so cliche and pointless. 
it was one of those movies where, you know, when I was talking about redemption and like justice at the end, uh, there was no change. There was no reason why anything was different at the end. Like, you usually have to, the main character has to overcome an obstacle in order to win, right? They have to do something that they know. Yeah, I think I remember we did you talk saying about something that. about that that there was uh, there was no character growth by the end of that movie, and you were really not disappointed. at all. Nothing okay. changed, and it was just like wow. And aside from me not enjoying my the horrible meal that I did, barely received that night at Chunky's, um, those of you who don't know, Chunky's is like a three. They probably only have like three theaters, and they're like a restaurant theater, so they serve food to you. And this time, they forgot they they forgot my order. <laughs> They uh, didn't bring anything out, and then they brought me somebody else's order because it was the last thing they had because the kitchen closed, and I waited 45 minutes <laughs> just to find that out, and the movie was bad. So I just had a really bad experience there, and it made the, it made the movie worse for me because the ending, I'm like, at least the ending will be cool. Nope. <laughs> anyway, the point There's with a thing that, with you. With there's a thing with you and not getting food and having to sit through a bad movie. Because didn't that happen when you and I saw Dark Fate? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Genesis. You're right. It was um, Genesis. You're absolutely right. Oh, well, right. yeah. I, 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 had, I, I spent half that movie writing an email to the owner, uh, to the, the manager of that movie theater, because of my horrible experience trying to order food. I mean, it was just, it was just so bad. It took forever. <laughs> The, the the customer service was... I mean, this is the thing. I've worked in the service industry. I know what it means to be rated on your level of customer service. And when I go somewhere and see someone just go, what do you want? But seriously, if you start off with what do you want, I'm sorry. Where's your manager? <laughs> That's not how you talk to people. It's not It's not how, how you, you show any excellence in anything. It's, it's just, if that's your case, maybe you need to go take a break. Maybe you need to take a day off. Then come back. You know, but what do you want? Okay. And I usually respond back with, hi, how are you? And they're like, what can I get you? I'm just like, I'm asking how you are. Wow. <laughs> Clearly something's up here. Like, what's going on? But anyway, yes, that experience was weird. But anyway, the whole point that I was getting at is in the movie, and probably in the book too, somehow connected, um, The Dark Tower, when they're in that world, that dark world where Matthew McConaughey's like the devil or whatever he is. I, I barely remember the movie. Um, Actually, you should probably check it out. You probably you probably would enjoy it. It was interesting. Um, they go through and they're going. They're walking through this old, like busted up old circus, and you see a sign that says Pennywise the Clown. Like that was his old stage. Great. And you go, ooh. Like, but that's the only thing that really ties in. But it shows you, oh, this is the universe. This shows the place where Pennywise came from. That's interesting. It wouldn't surprise me at all if there were multiple different, you know, books or or series from Stephen King that kind of. If if not, you know, completely loosely tie into one another, I wouldn't be surprised by that right. at all. Oh yeah, and I th- and I think it's a really wise thing to do, where it's, it doesn't have to be directly connected, but in the same universe, so you don't contradict yourself in another book or another story. You know, so kind of keeping that like everything you write, everything you create, has a tie back to it, one way or another, where it's not you're not contradicting and changing your theory on on y- what you're trying to get across in that. Like, if you watched one movie about The Shining and then another one that just, like, totally contradicted it, you'd be like, oh, they clearly don't have anything to do with each other. You know, but if you see a little subtlety, you're like, ooh, hey, this is done by the same person. Maybe it's the same universe. I think that makes it, that's creative. You know, you're Mm. creating this world. You've had this world that you created, and you're sharing that with everybody in little bits. You know, that the stories don't have to line up. You know, they're little offshoots. 
but having something in the same universe is a really cool way to do things. And that's, I mean, it's like what they did with, with um, you know, the Avengers in the early movies before the Avengers all got together. It's like, hey, this is the same universe, you know. The stories don't have to be directly connected until they eventually started getting all the Infinity Stone stuff and then it was directly connected. But in the beginning, it wasn't, you know. Just the same universe. So, anyway. Yeah. Oh, man. It's going to be a long one today. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. So, anyways, so back to the movie. Um, Rose is there, and she's kind of inside Abra's mind, and she's going through her file cabinet. And back to the whole idea behind the file cabinet being like a mind, I do like the way that it was shot that... Because Abra's so young, her file of cabinet is relatively small compared to Rose's that is literally a cathedral when we actually get to that scene. I thought that was a really good visual of, you know, right. showing showing the mind and age and, and how all that, you know, can kind of tie together, especially in this world. I thought that was really clever. Mm. Um, right. Rose is going through her file cabinet and it's a trap. Her <laughs> her hand oh, oh, it was so gets caught in the filing cabinet. Crazy. The file cabinet is just the spotlight shines on her, and Abra is sitting there on the bed. Her eyes are like melded together with the rest of her face, and you just see the bulge of her eyeballs. Her hair is different, and the smile on her face is insanely good. This was mm. this this has to be one of the scenes you're talking about when it comes to this yes. actress because this was one. phenomenal. This mm-hmm. was phenomenal everything, and then you cut to her, and Abra is now inside of Rose's mind, and she's very fast going through a whole bunch of files like inside of Rose's head, and you cut back yep. to Rose, and it's like killing her. Like you can tell, like right. this hurts. This is like agony for this woman. Mm-hmm. This and. Oh my God. She's screaming, get out of my head, stop. You got to get out of my head. And then all of a sudden, Rose gets shot back to her body. <laughs> you see Rose going it back flies around. right like, off the looks trailer. Like the in- <laughs> Hang- oh, yeah. Goes- the way that it was shot, too. So Rose is like astral projecting, but she's like swinging back around to the other side of the planet, it looks like, because she's in space for some reason. Mm. And then you get the visual of Rose laying on top of the camera, uh, camera, laying on top of a trailer, and then her spirit self smacking into her physical body, and she tumbles onto the ground. Was so just this, shot this was done before. This was done before in, in another movie that was a comedy, a movie you probably do not like. And I look back, and I'm like, yeah, that movie was dumb. Beverly Hills Ninja with Chris Farley. Yeah, that movie was so stupid. So he would do that. He would astral project, and he would connect with his sensei or whatever. And every time he came back, he was so uncoordinated that he would, he would like, hit his unconscious body and, like, fly somewhere and, like, you know, knock over a bunch of people on a bench or something. Like, it was, it was comedic. So when I saw this here, I laughed out loud um, just because I'm like, did they just totally rip off Beverly Hills Ninja? <laughs> Because it was like it was almost exact the way that she got you know flew back like uncontrollably and then hit the body and then flew off the trailer. It was like it was practically identical without the comedic feel, I guess, of of the rest of the context. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe it was a subtle nod. Maybe it was I, a I don't think nod, it was a yeah. subtle nod. I I don't think it was. It's I mean, if it was, who would ever think that? But like, why would you want to throw something so comedic in there like that? But it was impactful. Just like the yes. scene in the freezer at, in the grocery store where she gets sh- thrown back like that. Yeah. It's like, okay. You would think well, that's how, that after yeah. these events, like back to back, 
she would leave, like, Rose would leave this one alone. She, I think, I think at this point, you know, she, she might have before it, but at this point, she was like, she knows too much, she's in my head, it's a matter of, like, I gotta get her before she gets me. Fine. Okay. I, I think that's I what it came down to at that point. I do agree with you, but I'm just saying, like, Rose has been alive for an untold number of years. Um, run. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it. I mean, you're 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 old enough and wise enough to know when you are potentially in over your head. And she is at this moment very over her head. And the mm. way that she's the way that she's portraying everything after this event, she knows she's in over her head. She oh, yeah. stumbles off the ground. Her nose is bleeding. She's freaking out. Her her cult members, the knot, they're all coming around her. They're gathering around trying to figure out what's going on. She's not having any of it. She is mm. very upset and very taken back. She doesn't know what to make of this. She just right. pretty much sends marching orders, orders to um go get her. But it's right. so, it's so god she's acting on emotion instead of you know actually thinking in this moment which is really like you're making a mistake and you know that she's making a mistake at this point you know how this is going to end and it's not going to end very well for any of the people who are in this cult so so i'm really surprised at the at the rate that they did this because it was very early on it sped up that abra had that well that abra had the upper hand and it it made me think it made me think that there was going to be a point where Abra was really going to be in jeopardy. You're not you know, wrong. Which I, I don't think we got enough of that. Like, she, you know, later on she gets dosed, we get that, and there's the whole thing in the, in the hotel, we get that. But it didn't, it never seemed like she was, um, okay, the, you know, her father, all that stuff. Like, these things happened to her, but it's like, Abra really was, like, pushing buttons. She had the upper hand the whole time. She had the upper hand like the pretty much the entire time, except for a very few key moments, you know. Yeah. But it was like yeah. it's strange that they did that because that's not normally how a movie goes, and that's what made me think. Well, this is clearly a sequel then, because it's like they've already established all this stuff. We're gonna get into it, you know. Look at it like for the entire runtime of both movies, you know, just to look at it as the span of the story here, because they were really she was really heavy hitting right in that scene where she was just you know messing with rose it wasn't subtle there was no build-up she was powerful right from the get-go yeah so yeah yeah that's what made me feel a little bit like who i don't like i i, I like it because it shows me that like we're gonna go somewhere here but i was also fearing um fearing for abra because rose was gonna push back or try to or something was gonna happen that was gonna get her back and she did try but you know we obviously know how it ends but yeah that's mm. There's a, there's a certain flow to movies, and this one didn't flow the way I expected it to flow. I'm not mad about for, it. No, for I, but, I understand what you're saying. For a two and a half hour movie, it sped. It, hmm, how can I word? For a two and a half hour movie, things moved very quickly. Right. You know what I mean? Like things moved very fast. There was no. You didn't get, especially in a movie like this, where you know. You're you're spending a lot of time building up these characters. There wasn't really any time to meditate with anything that actually happened, because right. uh, again, we get to this scene where Rose gets smacked off at the camper, and now she's on the ground. To okay, we have to deal with the oldest member getting ready to to die, and then mm-hmm. he he dies, and the the knots they are very quick to suck up whatever you know steam he leaves behind. Like it almost it reminded me of a pack of wolves. 
Just the yeah, way that right. the eyes were glowing blue, the way that they were down. There was a couple mm-hmm. of characters when they were sucking, they kind of looked up into the sky as if they were like mocking like a howl towards the moon or whatever. Like, I'm like, right. oh wow, the, the, the visual of Very that. vampirical. Very, Very vampirical. vampirical. And the, the visual of it, like everything between, you know, the, the eyes, the way that they were acting out the scene, the lighting, it looked beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. It looked amazing to, to actually watch. It was really, it was quite something. But yeah, they're um they're, they're sucking up the steam because you know they're running low. It's a really big problem for them. Um, right, right. Then we get to Abra calling out to Danny, and they're speaking telepathically. I got her. Mm-hmm. I trapped her. She got what she deserved, and I'm happy. And blah 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 blah. And Danny mm-hmm. finally agrees that he's you know going to help her. He tells her what the plan is. Well, not really. He kind of. Mm-hmm. They do that thing where, okay, but if we're going to do this, we have to do it right. And then it cuts to right. another scene without actually explaining what the plan is in detail, which every right. movie does it. I'm not going to harp on it. It is whatever it is. Yeah. We get to a scene. We get to a scene where. Um, well, he's got Billy with them at this point. They're in the car, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The two of them yeah, in the so- car. And they're driving to the spot where I guess Abra told them or Danny where uh, Baseball Boy's body was. Now, right. Abra is um, on an astral plane, and she is in the back seat, and they're having a conversation, and he's very curious about how it felt to be inside of her head, and how did you do it, mm-hmm. and oh my god, this is amazing, and he's yeah. all about yeah. it. He's, he's very excited to hear about this, and it was so funny where she explains <laughs> it, and oh, it was easy, I just gave a little just, push, just a little and push. now she's <laughs> in him, and we're going to get into it, but the typewriter... Mm-hmm. I don't yep, understand the why they boxes. showed the typewriter. I don't. Mm. The, the typewriter has absolutely nothing to do with Danny. The typewriter was was a thing for Jack, not Danny. I don't get that at right. all. Why right. show the typewriter here? I get, I get the coffins inside of his head, because that goes mm-hmm. back to the box that we were talking about earlier. That I mm-hmm. understand. Even if you wanted to show a couple of the ghosts that were chasing him from the Outlook mm-hmm. Hotel, or maybe one or two that are still out there that he hasn't captured yet, fine, mm-hmm. because that does have to do with him. The typewriter, the typewriter. I think the, type, the, I think the typewriter represents, you know, the, the memory of his father, like just as a whole. Because, I mean, it could be a bottle of Jack Daniels or a typewriter, you know, or an axe. You know, I, I feel like it's just, it's just representing the memory of what happened with his father specifically. I mean, because if they showed, if they showed, you know, Jack looking through the hole, that would have been way much more on point. And you'd be like, okay, come that, on. But that should have been the scene because Danny was in that room when, when you know, mm-hmm. here comes Johnny. That was, right. he was in the room when that happened. That's something that he actually saw. Danny right. and his character has zero attachment to that typewriter. That typewriter is, is very much a part of Jack's identity right. in that movie. It. Uh, all of, so that is something that I'm like uh, I don't get that one. That one was just that was there for a visual alone and to you know fan service and make everybody go oh my god the typewriter like that's what that scene was. That's all that that was there for. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. I, that's that's my that's my problem. That's <laughs> we'll get more into that later. Anyways. Yeah. So these but two grown adults. When, with the push, obviously, it affected him, and he's like, ah! Yes. He's basically yeah. veered off the yeah. road. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It was, and it sets up something that happens that's really cool later on. 
which yeah, right, but, foreshadowing, excellent. Right. And what happens well, later on is even cooler than this. <laughs> right. Well, what he so basically what he explains is he, he gives he doesn't really get too much into it. He explains the boxes and gives a very general statement about the overlook. And that's it. Like he's like that's pretty much what's going on here. Yeah. Very and general. Very general. It, it just keeps it simple and you know they he doesn't want to get into it. He, yeah, he doesn't want to go there to. at all. No, no, no. Which is the character development that brings him to the point of actually getting there, and so that's yes. where we see it on both sides. Um, we see it all together. This is his story. This whole thing is see, his story. And this might have been maybe I just ranted a little bit because this was the moment where I saw it coming. Mm-hmm. When they right. did the whole thing about just a little push, and they showed the typewriters, and then all the coffins, and I'm like, yeah, okay, we're 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 we're, we're going, we're going back. <laughs> We're going back. Great. Perfect. Anyways, you get, um, you get, oh my God, you get Danny and his buddy out there and they're in the middle of the field or, or this dirt and road or wherever it is that they are. I still really don't it's know. It's like an oil place, It's like right? an oil, like, a, like an oil yeah. parking lot or something like that. Yeah. And they're, they're digging up this body and they start talking. This is weird. They start talking about the smell and he starts, Billy, is that his name? Yeah. Name Billy. Billy. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, Billy. He tells a story about how he was deer hunting and he shoots a deer, but when he went to go find it, the deer was gone, just vanished. Mm-hmm. And then he says, a few right. days later, I was back out there and I was hunting and I came across the smell and there that deal, deer was. And now here we are and this is that same smell. And it was so, I get it. I get it. I, I get, get it too. This, this is supposed to be an impactful written. moment, but the, this line and the way that it was delivered was so cheesy. This it is was really, really smell. cheesy. I thought it was it, going somewhere. I thought was, it was going it, somewhere else. And then when he ended, I'm just like, wait, that's the same smell. I'm like, that's it? That's... I thought he was going to say something profound. No, it just was Billy. So, <laughs> it was so 80s, like, horror action cheese. Mm. It made yeah. me laugh a little bit, but that's exactly what it was. And I was like, really? Okay, that's, that's, well, that's really weird. So the Fine. line before that that he that he had I thought was really great. But he's just like you know, it's like hey, if you're nuts, I mean, I can work I can work with bonkers, you know. But if you're right though, <laughs> and then you know th- that's the thing. He's like it's even worse. I can I can deal with you being crazy, but and then you know if you're right, I I I don't know how I can handle that. <laughs> he's just saying straight up. He's like I'm not ready for for something more than I've known to be you know to exist. And then he's like, yeah, I mean, it's much worse. And that's Which when goes, he starts talking. That's when he starts saying, "Like I've smelled the smell before. It means basically it means death." Okay. Yeah. Got it. Thanks. Let's move on. <laughs> Thank you. Let's not Thank spend five much. minutes ta- talking about <laughs> talking about a deer that you, um, you know, you seem to think you were the best tracker in the world, and like he was nowhere to be found. He was gone. And then <laughs> yeah. I smelled him one day, and I'm like, it was so cheesy. Ah. <laughs> it was so cheesy. I'm actually really glad that you brought up their a little bit of their conversation. How he's going into um, I can deal with you being bonkers, but if what you're saying is actually real, I don't know how to deal with that. Kind of goes right. back to what I said about you know, the people that that everybody that we've seen so far in this world, um, Billy, the the, the the I the guy who's been in everything, who was given you know Danny the interview at the beginning of this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So far, and especially Abra and her parents, nobody's really freaking out about these abilities. They're all just kind of taking it as this is just life. This is just what it is. It's, it's, it, it feels like it's already an established part of whatever of this world. And I really like mm-hmm. that. So they're in there and they, they dig up this kid and it's I'm glad they didn't show it. I'm really glad that they didn't show it. I'm glad that they, you know. 
yeah, they already backed off of this a little game. bit. They didn't show a whole lot. Um, they both throw up, which I thought, okay, yeah, fine. So, where are we? Danny wants Abra to, to tell her show, show her parents what's happening. He does not use the word tell. He says, show her parents what's happening, and that means right. a lot more later. And they show up at her house. Her father comes <laughs> running out. He is, she is 13 years old. What are you doing here? I ought to, and he's ready to throw yeah, yeah, down. Yeah. There's going to be a fight, which, fine. Some grown man, you know, <laughs> coming to your house to see your 13-year-old daughter. Uh-huh. I imagine there are uh-huh. going to be some punches <laughs> thrown. But she yeah. shows him exactly what's going on, and he needs mm-hmm. a drink. His, <laughs> his hands are trembling. He's spilling liquor all over the place. He asks these two gentlemen, you, you guys want some? <laughs> no, we don't want anything to drink. He wants to it's call a, the it's cops. A cliche, it's a cliche character in a movie where somebody, somebody learns something. They're not, a, they're not a huge player in it, but they learn it, um, and they're just totally I wouldn't like, go that shocked far. by it. I wouldn't go that far that, to say that he was cliche because he clearly knows that something is up with his daughter. He's right. just not doing anything about it. He's ignoring mm-hmm. it. That's not cliche. Well, no, I'm cliche, saying just, just the character in a movie. I'm thinking about, think about Dr. Silverman when he first sees um, the T-1000. <laughs> and, he, and he's got he's got the, the plastic cap for the shot that he's about to administer and he sees him walk through and it just drops out of his mouth see i go i go when i think about him i go t3 you know, <laughs> I know. things you, wouldn't, oh my things you God. wouldn't believe horrible things oh. take years to get over <laughs> that, that, no just that's great and then later phenomenal. on when he sees arnold when arnold comes out and he just goes oh my god and runs away that that's like the only great like good part of t3 i think is just just what they did with silverman anyway i am so i am so upset that i don't have that <laughs> i can't believe gonna, you don't have that that's like our I first should, one we ever did i need to i i know i know i should find you even put sound effects it in it there was like we, rubber chickens we, we and have, stuff. yeah we have um for everybody well for everybody out there yeah lee and i we did t3 and he was not happy with anything in that movie and it was just like it was this epic conversation it was like the only time that i've ever gotten you to just rip something apart from beginning to end it was wonderful but the audio is horrible it's absolutely terrible i might just say you know screw it and upload it one day just because but we're not there right now we're not there right now anyways they're in i should have known something else was up when because they're all in abra's room and they're coming up with some kind of game plan of how they're going to get these people and then there is a close-up shot of a teddy bear and Mm -hmm. i didn't think anything of it i'm like that's really weird that they would show a teddy bear and then just like the cheesy the same smell line earlier, mm-hmm. we get a cheesy gunfight. Like, this gunfight was nothing. This gunfight was so lackluster, it did not belong in this movie. This gunfight felt like it didn't belong in this movie at all. This isn't the kind of movie that needs a gunfight. You're talking about the woods. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm talking about the yeah. woods. Like, they're in the woods, and they're setting everything up, and, and, and the cult there, the knots, they're coming to get Abra. They think she's there. You know what? I didn't um, mind it. Yeah. Really? Okay, so they're coming to get Abra because she thinks that they're there and they're trying and, you know, Miss Madam go to sleep, walks up to her and tries to stick her with a needle of, of, of drugs and, and it's not her. It turns out to just be a teddy bear and it was just, you know, messing with her head. And oh, then it was really the well done, though. 
it was really well done. It was really well mm-hmm. done. I'm not saying that. I'm just very upset about this gunfight because I did not think that it belonged in this movie. This mm-hmm. movie so far has been somewhat of a psychological thriller. I would right. have preferred if they kept it that way for this because you are dealing with an OP supernatural 13-year-old girl and this gang of knots that absolutely deserve what they have coming to them. You could have found a more clever way to do it and still incorporate the supernatural. You did not need to have a gunfight. That's my whole thing. Yeah. Like, I don't, I didn't. I, I, I get you. I get you. But you I think I mean? I, what I liked about it is they brought, they brought the reality to it. It's like okay. these people aren't stronger than a gun, <laughs> you no, know. And I thought, no, of course and not. It's just, it's just, and I think that was what was cool about it. And it, but then you get that one scene where the person, where you've got the pusher Andy, who as she as she's dying, he, you know, Dan's clearly like, get away from her, and she just goes, kill yourself. Yeah. And and Bye, Billy, Billy takes the gun, and and it happens, and you go, oh no, it's gonna happen, and then it's gone. I'm like, oh, whoa. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's what made the whole the whole gun scene like pay off, you know. Um, I thought not pay off like whatever, just because of the way they did it. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I just yeah. I would have preferred if I would have preferred if Abra and Danny both find a way to psychologically give the knots their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah, I mean? No, that's all true. I think. I think, it I think was, the I mean, gunfight they, they saved it all the, for Rose. I think the gunfight was exact. They saved it all for Rose, and fine, you saved it all for Rose. You want to save, you know, this big epic thing for the big bad of the movie. I'm cool with that. Maybe you don't have to go to that extent for you know the rest of these cronies. Maybe you can you know mm-hmm. subdue it a little bit and then you know build right. everything up to the ending of this movie and have the big climax. I would have been fine with that. I just thought this is a group that deserves to get what they're getting. I just thought the gunfight, that's just a quick way out for them. They deserved mm-hmm. a lot worse, in my opinion. Right. And I right. thought that Danny and Abra could have kind of, you know, teamed up a little bit and gave them a lot worse. Like, yeah. put them in a state of constant misery and just leave them there for the rest of their days. Kind of like the idea that Danny mm-hmm. has going mm-hmm. on in his head with the coffins and all these people are just kind of locked in there. And they're, you well, know, I we think, found out I think later, the they're starving. The, right. But that would that would take a lot more... Um, consistent brain power, I think, to do that. I mean, we, we've, we're talking about WandaVision and stuff, too. You know, how much can you really control with what you've got? You can't just walk away and leave them in that state. I mean, I don't think you can. But, I mean, the whole point was they had bodies. They had living bodies. They weren't just ghosts. And they turned to you know? smoke. They, they, they turned to steam. They all turned to steam. Well, yeah, they do. But they were <laughs> I thought that, technically I actually bodies. did think that it was cool. I did think that it was cool when they just all, like, turned to steam and they were all gone. But well, um, I'm sitting there saying, "Oh man, look at all that steam that they're not getting. Ah, oh, that sucks. <laughs> Too bad." Anyway, I, I one just while we're kind of talking about it, I love that they said, "Oh, looks like they're on I ninety five. Yeah, probably in Massachusetts." I just love hearing our area of the world yeah. being in movies. So mm-hmm. when they said I ninety five, I'm just like, "Ooh, they're in Mass. They're working their way up." And they're like, "Yeah, probably Massachusetts." I'm like, "Yay! I know it's. I know what that is." <laughs> Well, I mean, I grew up there. Stephen King, he's he's from the area. Well, I I love that. I love that so he, it makes he, sense cer- that he, he centers he everything around Maine. Of, yeah, he. So we had we yeah, had Fraser he, Fraser Maine here. You know, we always have we had Derry Maine. I live in Derry, New Hampshire, so that's kind of cool. I'm like, ooh, not quite, you know, really there, but that's cool. Um, anyway, I just I just like seeing that. And in, in the past 10, 12 years, a lot more has been coming to this area as far as movies. Um, like movies are being shot here and seeing movies shot in my old neighborhood, like 
that was two blocks away from my house, and it's in this movie. How cool is that? You know, yeah. like, my dad worked in Boston when they were shooting a bunch of movies, when they shot the town. You can actually see my dad's truck <laughs> in the town. You know, I was in the movie Ted, small parks. I turned down a couple others because I had finals, but, like, it's cool that a lot is coming over to this area now. Mm-hmm. You know, being as into film as I am, it's just, it's just nice to see it close to home and not just some far off, oh, it's in Illinois or California, a place that, you know, I'm nowhere near. That to, it's, I know it exists. I, I've, I've been, you know, over in that area, but I've never, like, it's, it still feels like it's not real. But when you start bringing it over, you're like, ooh, this is cool, you know, I-95, I know that. Yeah. You know, they're not just making stuff up. You know, like when you watch a no. movie and they have the, they have the fake president, you know? Yeah. Tons of movies yeah. do that. It's like, oh, it's President, you know, uh, like Iron Man 3, President Ellis. And I'm like, we didn't have a President Ellis. And I'm sure they didn't look like death from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. <laughs> <laughs> or the, uh, the colonel there in Die Hard 2. But yeah, so Crow Daddy's at the house. Yep. Dad's dead. Dad's like, dead. Like, I did not. It's weird I didn't see that coming. I don't know why I Neither didn't because did I didn't see him. I didn't see it coming I, either. It was, it was very well executed. And I was like, oh, they had a plan. Good. Yeah, like I mean, not good, but like good for them. Because <laughs> I was like, this is too easy. Like we they talked plan, about the things switching. They had so a quickly. plan. They had a plan which kind of insinuates that they thought ahead that Abra mm-hmm. might try to do something like this. So they had right. a plan B. So mm-hmm. you have a plan B just in case everybody dies. Right. Cool. All right. So mm-hmm. your whole crew is dead, and now. You know, Crow Daddy is there, and he drugs Abba and throws her in the back mm-hmm. of the van, and they're on their way. Yeah, um, she can't shine she, because she's drugged up. Nope, she's yeah, she's drugged up. Um, what does he say? That steam of yours is still asleep, or that steam mm-hmm. that steam of yours is fast asleep. You ain't trying anything right. because she just tried to get in touch with Danny for a split second, but it ain't happening. Or yeah. is it? Because mm. Danny is back in his apartment, and he's thinking about taking a drink, but he very wisely oh. decides not to and takes that bottle and smashes it on the ground and then plops it on the ground. Okay, okay. That was, a ve- that was very much a, a like almost a Broadway-style acting. Yes. The way he yes, did that. It was. Like it was, it was, it was very just like, it was, it was done well. I, I don't want to say cliche, but it, it was like. It wasn't cliche. I really, was thought, I really well. thought he was going to drink it at that point. So did I. But he, he fought. He, but I was it, believing it, it. It was like it was like done, and then he didn't. I'm just like, wow. I like. I, I think I like stood up and clapped. You know, it was really the way that, like, even the uh, way that he the, the way that he just in a panic just plopped down onto the floor, and he's like, okay, okay, it's in my head. It's just like a radio. All you got to do is tune it and find the station and just listen. Mm-hmm. So just the yep. way that he's freaking out like that was absolutely incredible. I've yeah. said this before in other things that we've done. I wasn't a huge fan of the one, two, th- third season of Fargo. But one mm-hmm. thing I was a fan of was Ewan McGregor um, casted yeah. in the two roles that he played. He played twin brothers in that show. And mm-hmm. both characters that he played were polar opposites of each other. And the way, right. everything down to even like the way that one brother moves to a different part of the, the state and the other kind of stays, you know, on another side. And just the, the subtle way that the accent changed and the way that he was able to just go back and forth like that was brilliant. He's an amazing actor. And that's one right. television show that if you're a fan of just fine acting, I mean, if you can get over this stupid story of a parking lot, but if mm. 
it's <laughs> it's phenomenal. Like the whole season is just the whole season's about a parking lot deal that goes bad mm-hmm. and somebody owes somebody some money and how are they going to get out of it and they stretch that out over 12 episodes and it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. <laughs> I hated that season of television, especially after the first two seasons that are phenomenal. That season it was just like, "Oh, what are you this a parking lot really? Like come on." But Hugh McGregor was a monster. He was an absolute monster on that television show, and I've been praising him ever since then. And mm, well, this you didn't just, like him as Sionis? No. And this <laughs> just further this just further validates the way that I feel about this man. So mm. he plops down on the floor. He's tuning into her, and he is able to find her, and he's able to now project himself to her, and oh. later on into her, and. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that this is the other scene that you were talking about that you were blown away by with Amazing. the way that she acted this entire thing out. Amazing. She, yeah, okay. She gets yeah. up, she's groggy, and I'm wondering, I'm, mm, I'm curious to know how this was written. Was this written mm. for Ewan and she just acted it out? Or right. was this written for her to act like Ewan? Because I kind of right. got lost. I can kind of see, like, what is, what is he? There was just some lines that were in mm-hmm. this dialogue here that didn't fit Ewan's character. Like, the way that right. she pops up and she's like, oh, I feel hungover. That I get. Yeah. And, you know, I don't miss yeah. it and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Oh, where are we? Oh, New York. Staying on the side roads. Smart. Like, I don't think that yeah. Ewan would be talking like this in this movie. And then right. what else? Did he, and just, I get it. It's phenomenal. She was amazing. But the delivery, I'm like, this doesn't sound like anything Ewan would say in this movie. He's not. Mm. This this Danny character doesn't come off as that bright. Like, he's right. not that smart. He seemed, he seemed very smug. It was a smug, yeah, exactly. was a smug very, attitude very smug. that didn't seem to fit him. But she exactly. did a great job as an actress. She did an amazing job. This was awesome. This right. was awesome. The blue eyes was a really cool touch, too, though. Yeah, it was. It was. Because I'm looking well, at it, I'm just like, it, ooh, that's how you kind of know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this was this was awesome. And he's going on about this thing, and finally he says, well, it's arrogance, really. It's arrogance and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And it, mm-hmm. it comes down to it. <laughs> he just kind of reaches into Daddy Crow as he's yeah. at the wheel and turns the wheel into a tree. He goes flying out of a window, and he's yep. dead. And he's dead. And the way... <laughs> The way that Abra stands over him and says, I hope it hurts, mm. was another, just, she is, I can't say enough good things about her. She was amazing. And I think, again, coming back down to, like, I think both of them at that point were just, they felt the pain of the boy, the baseball yes. boy. And it was just, yeah. like, ruthless at this point. She, from this point on, she was just, like, all business. Yeah. And it was like, okay, all right, yeah. cool. <laughs> and um, as he's... As, you know, Daddy Crow is on the ground and he's dying, we cut to Rose and she's freaking out because she knows that he's gone. And she was even freaking out before when the rest of her, when the rest of her cult was all, you know, getting shot down and dead. So now she's alone and she's, she becomes all business. She throws open her cabinet. She starts sucking down the rest of the steam that she has. And now. Full steam ahead. (laughs) Full steam. Exactly. Full steam ahead. And now she's full on super villain. The, the, the cuts on her hand from the filing cabinet earlier on, they magically heal right in front of us, and she's full-on supervillain, and we're on, we're on our way. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. 
She, she was, as she, so basically there's a whole street scene. She walks right through her. Yep. And Rose gets all powered up. Yep. And then uh, the, the scene here was interesting where basically he says to her, he's like, you need to let your mother know what's going on. Oh, no. Yeah. So she calls her mom and her mom's like, oh, my God, are you okay? She goes, hi, mom. I love you. And then hangs up and throws the phone out the window. Yep. I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was so, it was so like cold and heartless. And I was just shocked. And it makes me think, just like at the end of any movie, you know, like, does any thriller, horror movie people die or whatever, at the end where you see people having a happy life, I'm like, I'm sorry, if anybody dies any time, there's, like, police involvement, sometimes jail time, like, regardless of what things were, but... I'm thinking, I'm like, how does she explain this whole thing to her mother afterwards? Well... Oh, sorry for, like, torturing you for a couple of days, Mom, when you saw that your husband was dead, I think, and I was gone, and all I said to you was, hi, Mom, I love you, and then hung up and broke my phone. I think the whole thing... <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's ruthless. No, I know. I, I, I know it is. But I think the whole thing here is it's illustrating that much like, much like, you know, Holleran didn't baby Danny when after he went through his right. trauma... You know, Abra mm-hmm. has gone through something very similar, at least, you know, on a supernatural right. level. And she is mm-hmm. no longer a child. And she, I don't exactly. think she can no longer act as a child or be treated as a child. And she's right. She's handling business. And part of handling business yep. sometimes is upsetting, you know, people that are around you and people that you love and that care about you. So in a way, her throwing the phone out of the window was very much a way of her saying, I'm sorry, I love you, I have to do this, goodbye. That's basically Mm. what that was. Because unfortunately, I understand that her father is dead. And this woman had just lost her husband. But unfortunately, this is a Mm -hmm. situation that is a little bit more important than grieving at the current moment. I mean, we're we're right, right now Abra's worried about, you know, saving her own life because this woman Rose mm-hmm. is just going to keep on coming and it's something that has to be dealt with and she's going to grieve later on. She's kind of, you know, well, making that her main goal right now. So I I respect I think that. what else happened too is is Crow Daddy, he basically he's he was guilting her hardcore before Danny came in and he was just basically saying have you realized that the outlook or the um that the outcome never changed? Yeah, because now look what happened. You know, basically, no matter what you did, you just made things worse because you're still here with us. You're st- we still got you and blah, blah, blah. But now your dad's dead and all these other people are dead because of you. So she's like, I think she's feeling a level of guilt and also a le- and that's the revenge right there. She's like, she's got the guilt and she's turning that into revenge de- directly towards Rose. Well, that's something that... You talked a little bit, you talked earlier about cliches. That is something that's very cliche when the villain is clearly going to lose, Mm. but he's still very arrogant Mm -hmm. about what's going on. Right. Like very Bond. You know what I mean? Like anything they can find. Anything that they can find. Like, I know you took out my whole crew, but I still got you, Mr. Bond. Like, ha 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 ha. Like, that's exactly Mm -hmm. what this was. Right. And it's, 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 it's over at this point. Like even like any any movie viewer worth their salt knows that it's <laughs> over at this point and knows this guy's not gonna make it and Rose is gonna get what she has coming. Like I know the outcome of this movie, but at this point, but I don't care because I'm fully invested and I just want to see how it happens at this point. And oh right. boy, do we get to see how it happens because we're going into the third act of this film. Ah, so Danny so. stops and gets some gas, <laughs> and up the mountain we go. The music as soon plays. As, you, as soon as they're on. there, you just know it. Hang on. Yeah, you just know it. I just know it. Up the mountain we go. <laughs> this might as well 
they they might as well have taken the opening credits of The Shining mm-hmm. and put like a night filter over it and just stuck it in here and that would have sufficed. That's exactly what right. this was. Everything. Mm-hmm. The overhead shot, mm-hmm. the little the little island that's in the middle of that lake or whatever it is, the overhead view, right. the car going up the winding road, going into the tunnel, the music bellowing up, everything was the mm-hmm. opening sequence of The Shining. Right. And then we get to the hotel. Yep. Now, Danny and mm-hmm. wisely does not want Abba going in there. She does he does not want her in there any longer than she has to be. So kudos to him. Exactly. He goes inside. Mm-hmm. So there were spirits. I have to wake it up. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm fine with there being spirits that live in this hotel. He walks inside and the lights just turn on. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Now 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 the hotel uh. The mm. lights can just turn on. This place has been shut down. Mm-hmm. We learned that this place has been shut for down for 40 years. For <laughs> de- years. For years. And I'm just supposed to believe that oh, the lights can just come up. Oh, Danny's back. Oh, business is about to pick so, up. Danny's right. back. Here we go. Turn them right. lights on. Let's really. Are you. Are you. Okay. Fine. Well, so the first, the first thing I said, and it's a note right here. Why is there still power? There wouldn't be. So, now, th- now, th- now, now, think about this. Now, here's here's the thing. Now, obviously, with that place being so cut off from the rest of the world, there's no electrical wires going to that place. It was all the generator that was in the uh, the generator room. Yes, right? probably. So that's so that's the that's where he was. That's where he, that was the first place he went was to turn everything on. The right? lights turned on before he even went into the generator room. I know, but he went. So he went into the boiler room and he turned on the rest of everything else. Yes, the lights went on, but he turned everything else. We on. find out though so, that that's kind of misdirection, and we'll talk more about that mm-hmm. later. So yes, he went in right. there and and fiddled with some knobs and flipped some switches. We don't exactly know mm-hmm. what he did, but he. Spoiler warning for the end of the scene because we're not there yet. He sabotages mm-hmm. the place and it ends up burning to the ground. So that's what oh, yeah. that's what oh, yeah. he did in. But we there. didn't know that. That's what he did in yeah. there. So that's okay. So. Let's let's just cut through the fan service with the notes that I took. The hallway, the door, the shot, the flashback, the window, the bar. Fan service or well done? Well, I think we know your answer. Right. They couldn't resist. They could not resist oh, yeah. all of these shots. <coughs> and it's not no. just it's not just the way that it was done. What's his name? Michael Flanagan? Yeah. Michael Fl- Mike right. yeah, Mike 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 Flanagan. He mm-hmm. couldn't resist but to try no. to embody Kubrick throughout this entire thing. The way that the shots were taken down the hall, the way that the shots were in profile when he's going into the bar, the way that the mm-hmm. shot was down the hall where the little girls were in the first movie. Everything right. about this, it was like, I'm screaming at my television, Mike, you are not Stanley Kubrick. Do not try to do this. You just mm-hmm. ruined this movie for me. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I'm, I'm completely checking out now. This mm-hmm. this was so over the top. Oh my god, it was so over the top, and I was so I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed yeah. by the end of this movie. <coughs> oh my god! So then he gets to the bar, and he sits down in the bar, and it's shot exactly like Nicholson's scene from The Shining when he's in the bar. Everything is somewhat in profile. 
the problem is here that in The Shining, when Nicholson was sitting at the bar, everything was around subtlety and everything was around Mm -hmm. Jack Nicholson losing his mind. Everything was around his mental state in that moment. This Mm -hmm. was all about Danny struggling with the memory of his father or whatever. And then we get the Jack Nicholson lookalike who's the bartender who is now for some reason Lloyd. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I actually I actually thought that was well done just the way they did it because they didn't CG face some guy. They got a guy who actually looked I'm with you. like the look alike the, the look alike was fine. The look alike was yeah. fine. Everything else because it was supposed to be I th- I looked at it as it's supposed to be a subtlety. He even said I'm not who you think I am. So Is it's he? just like it was just Are a you matter sure of he's like not? Are you positive? Because I still don't know. So he offers well, him a drink mm-hmm. and He's going through this whole thing about, I'm sorry, Mr. Terrence, I don't know where everybody else is, but they'll be along shortly. You must be mistaking me for somebody else. Like, he's not owning Mm -hmm. up to it. And then all of a sudden, he becomes Jack Torrance. Because Mm. halfway through it, this is medicine. This takes care of all your problems and all your woes. Life is like Mm. a blackboard, and this is the eraser. And he takes a shot and pours another one. Are you going to take your medicine? No, I'm not. And then he becomes Jack Nicholson and knocks the glass away and it goes everywhere. And even, you know, the little bits of hair that are falling down over his face and just the way that he makes his face with those eyes that Jack Nicholson did was spot on. He, whoever this guy, I didn't look up his name, I apologize. Whoever this guy is, Mm. did an amazing job. I just didn't like it. I did not like it here. Because you're not Jack Oh my. You're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna believe who it is. You're not gonna believe who it is. Who is it? Elliot. Elliot? No. Yes. From E.T.? Um, maybe no. I'm, maybe I'm reading it wrong, but it says the bartender. So that's crazy. Um, so yeah. 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 Okay. I didn't so know that. I, I didn't know that before I going thought, into this. I didn't know that after coming out of it. It doesn't change the way that I feel at all, though. Oh, yeah. Like, no. So like, I, I like the line in there. There's, there's a few great lines just in that conversation where you get from or from Dan. Dan, who's just a man takes a drink. The drink takes uh, the, the drink takes a drink. Then the drink takes the man. That was a cool line. It's a cool line. It's a it's a cool line, it's, and it's, it's great. A type thing. It's an yes. It, it's great for his character. Uh, my mm-hmm. my problem isn't the characters in this movie. I think the characters are great. My problem mm-hmm. is this. We did <laughs> not need this. This did not need to happen. And I know you just told me that you know this is Elliot from from ET who's playing this bartender here, and he's doing <laughs> a great impersonation of Jack Nicholson. I get it. And you also said, well, you also said something about um, maybe he's not who we think he is, or maybe that's not really his father because he doesn't really know. But they go through mm-hmm. the, if it's not him, why deliver this entire thing about it's, this is medicine. Are you going to take your medicine? Mm-hmm. And then he goes right. full on Nicholson, smacks the drink away. That's clearly supposed to be Jack Nicholson. Right. Like, clearly that's but supposed I, to be his father. Well, yeah, but I think the point is that it's it's a lot of different things going on. It's a lot of different spirits within this ho- hotel, you know, that are they're putting on the, they're putting on the facade. All the spirits, as far as we know, are locked up inside of Danny's prison, in, inside of mm. his own head. 
I mean, right. Lloyd here, the bartender, seems to be the only one left because he even has that thing about, I don't know where everybody went. Like, I'm sorry, right. Mr. Torrance, right. I don't know where everybody is. Like, he, I think Lloyd is the only one who's still here. And right. I might be, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the name of the bartender in The Shining was Lloyd. It was Lloyd. Yeah. Okay. That, uh, mm-hmm. I completely forgot about that. But yeah, that's so I'm like, okay, so is Lloyd just, is Lloyd a metaphor? Like that goes, mm. and that goes into the whole thing about what made The Shining so good? What made the bar scene in The Shining so good was that you could come up with a million different theories about it. You could sit mm-hmm. down and look at it and watch it a million times and come away with something new every single time. And I'm not, and I said at the beginning of this thing that I wasn't going to sit here and just compare, but I can't help myself but compare this. Fan service from a Kubrick film, mm. I don't think you can ever do something like that. I don't think it's ever going to work. There are certain right. films you stay away from. There are certain things that I just, I believe that you just don't touch. Imagine if, and I know it's been done to death, but, well parodies of and 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 nods to have been done to death but imagine right. if something as subtle as the godfather were to come out today mm, mm-hmm. it wouldn't work because no. it's not the godfather right there were I, that's just me there are certain things that i just don't think that you should touch that i don't think are going to work and it's not going to do anything for anybody's career but you know just it's going you're begging you're begging for criticism when you do things like this and right. that's what this entire sequence did for me. Um, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> even when you get to the end. So Rose is walking in. Well, Rose shows up. Danny goes out and gets Abra. They both go back into the hotel. Rose walks through the hotel. And then we get the bloodshot coming down from the elevator doors. And it's like, yeah. why did you need that? What, what does the symbolism of that have to do with anything that's going on in this movie? I have no idea. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. It was the not it was point, not necessary. The whole point they, they behind already the bloodshed. <laughs> the whole point behind the bloodshed in The Shining was just to show that there's a lot of dark history that went on inside of this hotel and mm-hmm. now Jack is going to experience a lot of of trauma and just completely go out of his mind. That was the point there. Here it serves mm. zero purpose. Right. It was just something cool. It's just something cool in, hey, remember this? That's exactly what this was because it's an iconic shot. And we'll get more of that later because Dan, well, before Rose even gets into the hotel, and I said this earlier, Danny is making his way through the hotel and they just had to do that shot with him poking his face through the door. And then you right. get the Shelley Duvall mm-hmm. lookalike standing there with a knife and it's just, again, hey, remember yeah. this? Like everything. Like they might as yeah. well, they might as well just have had, you know, um, Hugh McGregor mutter under his breath, "Here comes Johnny," or something like that. Like Here's that's Johnny, yeah. that's what I expected. That's I and okay, yeah. And then so yeah, yeah. And that was pretty much. So now Rose is in the hotel and she walks past, and I already talked about the bloodshot, and now she is standing right in front of the typewriter. Yep. I'm sorry, but I still don't get it. The typewriter has absolutely nothing to do with the story. It's just... It's just the, it's it's, the center room. It's the center room of the whole place. I understand that it's the center room, but they're making a point of having that typewriter sitting there on that desk. 
They could yeah. have had this be the cent- center of the room without that. Because it doesn't have anything to do with Danny. Right. If you're going to make this movie about Danny, make this movie about Danny. Don't make it about Danny and his father. And don't yeah. have this constant reminder of Jack Torrance in the background throughout this entire thing. Because that's what they've done. Especially right. with this typewriter. I don't know why I have such a big deal with this typewriter, but I do. It was just, it was way yeah, over the top. <laughs> it was, whatever. It was just way over the top for me. So anyways, she's standing there, she's over the typewriter, and then we go full on, you know, Mind Warrior. And mm. she's in the garden. Or, or the, mm-hmm. the, the hedge maze. I didn't hate oh, yeah. this. I <clears throat> oh, no, this no. Was actually, it was cool. I thought this was, was actually cool. pretty cool. The way that Abra yeah. kind of took control and was kind of, you know, taking taking shots at her, at, at, you know, behind her S- knees. Slicing and, and dicing. Slicing, yeah, slicing and dicing. Slicing this and was... dicing. But then, then you get, the, then you get the, the other cliche that's done all the time when, when the enemy is, is realizing that they're at defeat. And it's not just the guilt thing. It's the whole, we're not so different, you and I. Mm. You know, it's, it's like that is the most cliche thing we hear. And it's, and it's a valid point when you realize, like, I mean, uh, even, even Heath Ledger's Joker did it, which he's critically acclaimed for that, for that role. But it was a cliche thing. It's like, yo, we're just the same. I do it this way and you do it that way. Like, that's, you know, everybody does it. And it's a valid point that they're trying to make. It's like, we're all... We all have the same type of goal. We just go about it differently, you know. Star Wars, same exact thing. You know, go to the dark side. You know, we've got cake. You know, whatever it is. So it's just a matter of <laughs> we've got cake. <laughs> so I, actually, it's funny. I saw um, uh, one of those. You know, those, those road signs on the highway that says like, you know, drive with caution because a snowstorm is coming or something. Yep. It's, it's set. One of them set up there. It's just like uh, winter storm advisory. Drive with cake. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, you know, just somebody couldn't find an R on their keyboard, but <laughs> drive with cake. <laughs> anyway, <Drive> with cake. <laughs> um, <laughs> best way to drive. Anyway, so. Yeah, but no, the, 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 the hedge mage scene was was really well done. I thought this was mm-hmm. great, especially, you know, when she has her by the throat. You remind me a lot of me and we're both the same. And I, that mm-hmm. was all very well done. Again, the acting is not the problem in this movie because everybody did a phenomenal job. And. I can't wait to see what Rebecca Ferguson is in in the future. I can't wait to see mm. what Kylie is in in the future. I'm very right. much looking forward to whatever projects they do next. You know, these yeah. are two actresses that I'm absolutely going to pay attention to moving forward. And that's a lot yeah. coming from me because I don't normally pay attention to actresses or actors. I mm. normally pay attention to who's producing it, who's directing who's it. Okay, directing I'm going it, to yeah. watch that. Exactly. These two women I am going to pay attention to because they did such a phenomenal job. Right. But and then we get the and then we get the scene where, you know, Rose has had enough and she realizes that she's, you know, inside of somewhat of an illusion. And right before she says enough, there's one of those coffins right behind her that's like creeping up, getting ready to close. Uh, I thought that was an amazing uh, shot. That was so cool. So, I mean, the the thing is, it was obvious. First, they made it seem like it was like, whose mind are we in? But it was obvious that it was not the mind that Rose thought it was in. And then it started thinking like maybe it is, and then it switched back. It's like, oh no, it's Dan's mind because here comes yeah. here comes this this box that's like inanimately walking up behind her, <laughs> coming to close on her. I thought it was it was kind of was almost kind of cartoonish the way that it was coming up. It's like here it comes. Uh, oh yeah. nope, sorry, but it was still it does <laughs> definitely was really well done um, yeah. for what you know what was going on there. We're finally seeing one get trapped in a box type thing, um, but. She enough got herself out of it. And I'm like, oh, too bad. You know, like, oh, that could have been that. But still, we had to get to the 
the final here, right? So if she yep. pushes him out, and then oh, I said at this point it must have been pretty difficult for Ewan to keep up the American accent through this movie, especially where he's talking to some Irish girl. Mm. Lately, has the Irish accent. I'm just like, man, he did a really good job sticking with American and not switching back. I mean, maybe they did a couple of takes where he he broke it out. Um, but I, I just thought that was funny. Like, I think about how actors act, and you know, if you're in the middle of something and you're acting, and everybody else is talking a certain way, you start to act like they do. I mean, he, so I mean, yeah, he's um, he's from Scotland, so. Scottish and Irish are kind of close, so I'm surprised that his Scottish accent didn't, like, sneak out a little bit. But hats off to him for keeping it up, even though she was there with that. I mean, I still don't understand why, in in Star Wars, they, like, Finn, who has a British accent, didn't have a British accent. Yeah, it's Like, weird. why did they even bother? Why did they even bother making him sound, like, American? They didn't need to. They really didn't need necessary. to. It was not necessary. But, I mean, it was okay. I, I'll get over it. But anyway... Um, I love, she's, she's basically going off and at this point she's, she's really, she's been hitting on Danny ever since she saw Dan. She just starts hitting on him. Oh yeah. Dan is standing, um, Dan is standing on the stairs and he has the ax in his hand because they have to have him with the ax in his hands. And she goes into the whole thing about how did we miss you? And she's all about him all of a sudden. She grabs the axe. Two of them have a struggle. She grabs the axe from him, takes him out really easily, just chops him in the legs a couple of times, and he's done. He's, he's not going anywhere, and, you know, they have to injure his leg because they have to have a scene come up later. I'm, I'm not going to be kind. I'm not, from here on out, I'm not going to be kind about that. Um, so she's on top of him, and she's sucking out his steam, and she suddenly realizes that he has some things hiding up in that brain of his, What's inside those boxes? Something special? Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. just grabs her and says, no, they're starving. And just all of the boxes yeah. in his brain opens. And then all of the ghosts of the hotel are back. And they all jump on Rose. And that is the end of her. Mm-hmm. Then, goodbye, Rose. Hello, Danny. Goodbye, Rose. We hardly knew ye goodbye. Have a good one. <laughs> then they all turn to Danny. And now business yep. is about to pick up all over again. You get the twins. Come play mm. with us forever and ever <laughs> and ever. And I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was not necessary. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Anyway. And then, of course, where does Abra decide she wants to go hide? Into room 237. She's hiding <laughs> in room 237. Uh-huh. And Danny is back on his feet. The hotel has full grasp of Danny. And Danny is back on his feet. And you get the from behind shot that's angled up a little bit, axe mm. in hand, and he is limping, hunched oh, over, yeah. mm. and we did this. This is this is how this ends. This yeah. amazing movie that I have thoroughly enjoyed, <laughs> and I feel like I have praised all the way through up until this point. It we devolve into this, like yeah, this is so. He's in the room with her, and he's got the axe in hand, and he's ready to swing away, and she just reaches out and touches him, and Danny's allowed to, you know, come back for a second. He tells her, run, get out of here. Well, let's, let's and... go back for a second. Hold on, hold on, because there's a, there's a line that was repeated in here. So at the point okay. where, where Rose walks in, and she's standing in the typewriter room, basically, she's like, oh, well, blah, 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 and she's like, well, you don't know where you're standing, and that's when she sent them to, you know, she went into Danny's 
mind, you know? Mm-hmm. And then here, there's the whole thing. It's like, you're not Dan. And he's like, she's like, you're just this house. And he goes, oh, okay, mask is off then. He's like, why are you smiling? smiling? And she's like, you don't know where you're standing. And she says, you're in Danny Torrance. You know, and he like basically said he made one stop before he came here. Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing there. To the boiler room. To the boiler room. Right. So that's when you realize that he had a plan. He set this up. And I mean, what's, I mean, how much can the house really do? It's a matter of racing to get down to the boiler room to stop it from blowing up. But you've got Danny who's there, still there, who's just kind of holding himself back. And he's like reaching out. Nope, sorry, you're not, you're not great, doing that. Great, great way to show internal struggle. Like it was, right. fin- it was, it was fantastic. It was right. Hugh McGregor in this point where he's down in the boiler room and the evil spirits within him are trying to turn this boiler off, but Danny's just not allowing it. And there's this nope, internal battle that's just all telegraphed with just his emotions and, and his mm. face and his mannerisms. And it was phenomenal. It was a great yeah. job on his behalf. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, you cut to him and now he's a child again and he's with his mother and they're both looking at each other and he's happy. And then you cut to Aber and she's outside and the place is burning down. And mm-hmm. you hear the sirens in the background. Right. Um, yeah. How and did then they know? You just... <laughs> how did this, how did, the, how did they know to come up there? It just caught on fire. And that's a long drive up the mountain. Yeah. That's like, a long drive up the mountain. How did they know? <laughs> like, nobody knows about that place because, well, I guess times have changed. They have better plows now. But who the heck, who's plowing up there? Nobody. Oh, no. It's been closed for years. It didn't make sense, but whatever. I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, maybe, maybe they saw the smoke, but then I was like, no, this is like the dead of night. Nobody's seen any smoke coming from this place. <laughs> it's this winter. Is... <laughs> it's at night. It's on top of a mountain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then, whatever. So Abra's back at her house and she's talking to Danny yep. and, you know, they both come to terms with, you know, everything that happened and Abra's just happy that Danny's okay and that he moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, she opens up to her mother, you know, Danny's okay, daddy's okay, everything's yeah. going to be okay. We go, we go on and then, after, and he's okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was really, it was very well done. The end of the, the ending, the actual ending of this movie back when we were in Aver's house is very well mm-hmm. done, and it was beautiful. And then there's the old woman, and the old naked <laughs> woman in the bathroom, and she walks in and shuts the door, roll credits, and we're done. Right. And, yep. um... That's that's the movie, but uh, <laughs> this movie was amazing. I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, crapping all over this thing just because of the ending. All in mm-hmm. all, this movie was phenomenal. I really right. loved it. I loved the acting. I loved the story. I loved the way that things played out. I loved that there was, you know, vengeance. And I, I loved that the, you know... The big bads in this movie got exactly what they deserved. I wish it was a little bit more, but, you know, you can't get everything that you want. I just did not like this ending. It sucked a lot of what made this movie unique away from me. And Mm -hmm. that's all. But aside from that, this was really, this was a good movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. From beginning to end, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, yeah, that is about it for me. Um, You want to give some final thoughts? Yeah, I mean... I think my, the big thing is I went into it very um, – I, I, it would have been a real big investment to go watch The Shining and then watch this too. And this one took a little bit just because, you know, I've got a busy life. So I'm like, let me watch this movie. I'm pretty sure I remember what I need to remember from The Shining. I have seen it a few times, although it's been years. Um, <clears throat> but I don't think I missed anything. 
There might have been some subtleties in the storytelling from the first one, but I knew exactly what I needed to know to watch this movie and to be able to appreciate it for what it was. And if I forgot anything, they clearly made up for it by all the fan service at the end of the movie. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, good. <laughs> maybe I didn't need to watch it at all or just, you know, maybe I saw a trailer of The Shining and then moved on. But mm -hmm. yeah, I'd say the movie as a whole, very good movie. There are parts I disagree with. There are parts I'm, I'm that I disagree with because maybe it was just, um, as we said, you know, certain certain lines were just lackluster. Um, certain uh, things they just kind of disregarded. You know, it was just a matter of just like, okay, let's move on. Are you not going to address that? Oh, okay, that wasn't too bad. Some movies do that a lot more than this, but I think we were being very. I think you and I are being very critical of this movie because of its predecessor. Um, so that's that's kind of. Where I think it's that's at. to be expected. Right, and even if we're going to go into, into it this, saying saying you know this, we're going to go into it fresh. Yes, yeah. going into no matter this how movie, much we try not to, unless you're unless you're a young movie fan and you've never seen The Shining and you're going into this for the first time, I can mm -hmm. see somebody like that loving this. Right, I could see them absolutely adoring this thing from beginning to end. But you know, mm -hmm. because because this movie has a predecessor, it's impossible not to think about it. Especially right. when this movie is actively telling you to think about it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, overall, good movie. There are parts I disagree with. There are parts that I, I appreciated. Um, but I think, I, I, I'd say the best part about this movie was the acting. Mm -hmm. I'd say the acting was, was the best part. Um, Agreed. Just all around. And now knowing that Henry Thomas <laughs> played the bartender. That is that's, unbelievable. That's the, that's the other thing too. Here is it says that he's he's credited as the bartender, not as Jack, not as Jack the Ghost, you know, not as Lloyd. It just says the bartender because you don't really know what he is. Well, there's but only still, one bartender. Well, I, I was saying maybe there was maybe there was a quick shot of whatever bar he was at in the beginning when he was all messed up, like mm. getting into fights and saying. No, no. Did you notice? I think I don't think we touched upon it, but when he was in the bar in the beginning and he was before, you know, the story took off, showing where he was when he was in the gutter. And he's at the bar. As he's like knocking the guys out, he's yelling, "You gotta take your medicine." Really? Did you notice that he was saying no. that as he was punching the guys out? That he was basically using the term "take your medicine." Oh wow! And I and I think that's what what leads into the whole thing about him when he goes eight years later talking about how he's been fighting that spirit of his dad. You know, mm. um. So it's a it's a real. And that, and again, it goes all the way to the end of the movie where he basically becomes his dad at that point. So the whole thing is like, that's his growth where he's like, it's inevitable that he's going to have to face that. And yeah. he did, and he fought it. And, you know, in the end was the victor. So looking at it from that standpoint, seeing the growth of his character and then just the, how everything else played out, it's a good movie. And that's, that's where I'll leave it at. Do I recommend that everybody I know watch it? No, because it's quite disturbing. And I probably won't watch it again <laughs> just because of its level of, of it being disturbing. But um, it, for what it was, it was very well done. All right. Well, I'm, you know that you and I are we're on opposite ends when it comes to things like that. I do recommend a lot of people watch this movie 
if um, if you're a fan of The Shining, absolutely give it a watch. You're probably not going to enjoy the the third act of this movie a lot like I didn't. But for what it <laughs> is, for a sequel, for the way that they take the idea of what it is to shine and just expand upon it and bring it into a different place, and mm-hmm. just the whole magical element and just how fantastical things really are, it is really well done. If you're a fan of just really good acting and just really good characters and the way that they're developed. Absolutely. Check this movie out. I, I get it. It would get a full recommendation coming from me that, that, but that's just me. You don't have to listen to me. I'm nobody. And that's about it. Are we done? I'm done. All right. We're done. (laughs) This is, this Um, is probably, I want to say we've, we've done, we've done some long reviews, but this, I want to say this is our longest that we've ever done. I mean, it's definitely the longest that we're, that we're um, broadcasting. Um, Yeah. I think the longest we did before was probably, what, two and a half hours? Mm, Somewhere around there. But this was a long one. But I think think that's a big reason why I said let's do it a little bit early um, today. Because normally normally you and I get together sometime in the... Yeah, normally you and I get together sometime in the afternoon. But I knew this was going to run long. I knew that we were both going to have a lot to say about it. And it definitely deserved it. This this is a movie that definitely deserves to be talked about. And it, it deserves the time to really go through it and break it down a little bit. But um, right. you're done. I'm done. We're going to get out of here. Um, definitely stay tuned for our continuing coverage of WandaVision, which is phenomenal. Um, yeah, that's about it. Everybody <laughs> right, have, a good, have one. a good one. <laughs> See you later. Adios, amigos. Adios.